0: Richard Wilson speaking. Um, some people know me as Victor Meldrew, but as far as I'm concerned, Victor Meldrew's dead. And thank you for downloading One Foot in the podcast. in
1: oh, the
0: Grain.
2: Hello welcome to Series 6, Episode 4. It is Episode 4, isn't it? Of One from the Podcast, or One from the Grave. Uh, this week I'm with uh, David, who was on Hearts of Darkness on the podcast. It was like a long time ago, actually. But David, welcome back. How are you doing?
3: I'm okay. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. I'm great. It'll be an interesting chat
2: about this episode. Another
3: real-time episode, the last one of the series. What
2: other ones have we had? Timeless Time, Beast in the Cage? Uh,
3: uh, one for every series, but series one. So it's uh, Timeless Time, Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, Beast in the Cage, The Trial, uh, Rearranging the Dust. I think that's it. The Comment Relief Shorts. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. Although, really, I always seem to feel that the trial was so triumphant, it was so wonderful, and because there was just one person in it, yeah. Uh, it's it seems to make the exercise, to me, uh, further exercises of that kind, redundant, because um, mm. it was done so masterfully. Um, there's no point in trying to, <laughs> try to do it again, almost. That's, is, that but, your favorite? Uh,
2: is that your favourite of the real-time
3: uh yes i or at least i think it is i know the beast in the cage is 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 very popular too and it's uh it's just great but um i think when it comes to um uh having a sort of mission statements uh there will only be one scene in this episode and with the trial there will only be one person uh, I, I think there's not much else, Not uh, there's nowhere else to go after that, although obviously Renwick disagreed and decided to do an episode in minimal lighting. Um, yeah, I think I think again, I'm sure you read up
2: on this but that's something that Annette and Richard were a little bit anxious about, you know, the, the fact that it's very low level lighting, they're worried about audiences not seeing their facial expressions, mm-hmm. and but through the dialogue alone it's funny enough, I think, and the fa- fans of the show by this point, more than familiar with what their facial expressions would be like. You know, but mm. it is clear to us, the viewers, I don't know what it'd been like in that studio. Admittedly probably been very dark, wouldn't it? Because in reality yeah, yeah. you got the candle lights on the loaf of bread and whatever studio lighting above them, minimal studio lighting as well.
3: Yeah, it's not it's not it's not easy to look at. No. It's uh it's not particularly it's where you, you kind of your eyes kind of adjust to it and it's not the most visually interesting thing. Uh, and that is, and an episode of this kind is hampered in that way too, because there are going to be no scene cu- uh, cuts, um, uh, smash cuts, they call them when they go straight into a next scene. Yeah. And there's going to be, so yeah, there is, I think this episode is quite hampered in in two ways. First of all, by being a single scene episode, a limited cast, and secondly, by the lighting uh, yeah. but I'm I'm yeah. going to try not to be t- I'm not going to be down on the episode Villa. Really. I don't think it's I don't think no, it's I, horrible I, don't I, like I, that. I think you're
2: the ideal guest to have on here though, for this I know I know it's a bit of a slog but I make my usual pre podcast notes i, st- I still was typing up page after page after page of observation of uh, of observations really? so probably gone overboard on it so we'll just see how we go but p- before we go into it so how have you been in general
3: Like, when do, when did we do hearts of darkness uh quite a while ago yeah but i've been i've been playing um uh, all the all, all of your episodes since and i've been enjoying all your um uh all your very interesting uh, guests that you've had on and it's been uh it's been great there's so many it has been a good, very good to listen to far more yes. interesting than than I would have uh <laughs> that I would have brought brought to it I think but uh it's service but, yeah. to for
2: yourself David I think uh, ah.
3: great chatter for
2: hearts of darkness it was it was
3: the longest chat you've had isn't
2: it <laughs> I I don't know to be honest with you um was was it? I think uh, I a like similar, that. similar with. I mean, most of my chats are two and a half, three hours. To be fair, yeah. But that yeah. was there was good reason why that was a a long conversation because it was a comedy of two halves or as a a program yeah. of two halves, wasn't it? Because you quite rightly pointed out comedy first half, tragedy mm-hmm. second half, sort of you know, with redemption at the end, sort of not. Redemption, yeah, it was. But- uh,
3: it was. Uh, it was an interesting one, and uh, it was. I-, I think this episode. Um, threatening weather touches on certain parts of that same idea—the idea of age and uh, a certain amount of fragility, which which comes uh, from age. So there is there is a, a sort of dim echo of uh, hearts of darkness in this episode.
4: Yeah, um,
3: yeah. It's not a particularly uplifting episode. Threatening weather—it has a—it's—it's a um, it, it's, it's the sort of episode which doesn't have. It's, the story is threadbare, let's <laughs> be honest.
2: It is, it is isn't it? It's, it, all, it all, I don't know if it's it classed as a filler episode or a budget-saving episode. I don't know if Remick had to do one every series from series No, three, I or... don't
3: think so. I know that happens with other programmes. They call them bottle episodes, but that's yeah. usually with, with series where they have a lot of special facts and expensive episodes to make elsewhere. Mm, yeah. uh, but like Doctor Who, for example, and uh, programmes like that i yep. think this was purely a creative endeavor i think so
2: yeah I, I still really enjoyed it where where i rank this particular episode versus the other real-time episodes i'm not too sure it's hard to think of the so-called weakest one i think many might I say that this is Piotre's probably isn't. it do you think so <laughs> uh, when i shamelessly i listened back to when i recorded timeless time that was when I was just me and i oh my god I, rather embarrassingly I, think I was wincing as I listened to myself back saying that there was only two episodes in real time. And I, at the time, I said it was timeless time and threatening weather. And I missed out. The trial, Beast in the Cage. Oh, my God. That. But
3: that's good because it means that you didn't notice they were single scene episodes. Yeah, I you think. You just enjoyed them for what they were and didn't realize.
2: I think I've started off the podcast as a fan. And as I sort of, over the last year and a few months, developed into a super fan because I've learned more along the way it took me by surprise when i started having guests on they knew so much more than i did i thought crap <laughs> if it was a fools and horses thing i'd probably be more with it but with uh-huh. i wasn't quite up to the standard and i think i I think i've improved because i'm getting my facts straight yeah. in most cases but anyway i think we could uh, no exam
3: through. at the end <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're very close now i can't believe there's just this one and a, you know dawn of man things aren't simple anymore and obviously the comic relief and that that'll be it and i'm uh I have endeavoured to, you know, do more episodes. I say every time, but maybe there's, there's there's some people who, who have kindly offered to come on, and and I've obviously had people booked in already. So I'm sure we can do some sort of generic one foot in the podcast, talking about mo- highlights or character bios. Anything I'm sure I can think of something.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Anyway, I think if we. Should we go straight in to this oh, uh, yeah. heated yeah. episode? Lovely. A little synopsis. On the hottest evening of the year, the Meldries are left to enjoy a power cut, humidity, a larger-than-life character, and another Ronnie and Mildred present. So,
3: but, And it's ironic, I think, that we're doing an episode which is about a heatwave when we are going through a heatwave. I know. It's, uh,
1: so that is so
3: it was interesting to see how Victor and Margaret
2: coped yeah. uh, with that. With, with the, I mean, it's as we record this because we were going to do this a few days ago when it was about 33 degrees Celsius. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it, I feel it's still a bit muggy, but the weather has, well, it's cooler, isn't it? It's much it's cooler, cooler. And um, it just makes sense to, to, to move because we've had a lot of rain this weekend. I sincerely yeah, yeah. don't have a power cut, otherwise, we, we'll be in the situation. <laughs> but, but,
3: well, that, that, that was the thing. Uh, it made me wonder what part of the year that episode was taking place in because it's light now, isn't it, where we are in, in July? Yeah, because uh,
2: so an observation I made is a very dark set, isn't it? So studio lighting is completely down. So, as again, is this not the first time the episode opens up without any credits? No, 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 Eric, no, Eric Idle, just BBC logo, threatening weather, Victor, Margaret in the living room, Victor slouched on his sofa, his couch, Margaret reading the book in the dark with a little torch rested against a, a cushion. But I think other episodes, I think include, I think it's all the real, real time episodes, isn't it? That don't have a it proper, is,
3: yeah, along with One Foot in the Algarve. Algarve isn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah.
3: And is it Starbound as well? Does- does, well, does the, that start the, an end game?
2: The three, the three specials they have like a, a sort of a psychedelic opening. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, well, it sets the, the episode off at, at quite a uh, it's very gentle way, isn't it? It's it eases you into it.
2: Yeah. but when you were saying the time of year, this in the Meldrews universe, it's supposed to be a hot summer's evening, mm. and they probably won't go to bed late late because there there should be some light shouldn't they coming through the windows i I would have thought yeah so unless it's like half past 11 of an evening when it does it's mostly dark isn't it everywhere Mm -hmm. i can't quite work out why unless they're in our living room at home we've got quite a small living room window and it's sort of it's not looking out onto the street as such it Uh, i've got quite a lot of shade
3: so I yeah, I, I think it's probably very late. Victor set mentions that he, he if he goes to bed, he won't be able to sleep until half three. And if it was too early, they'd go for a walk or something. Yeah, so, that's true. So it's obviously about it's 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 late. It's like it, I would say it's probably about eleven o'clock, half eleven, something like that. And they're trying. They're just sort of they're at a loss as to what to do because the TV is off, of course. It goes to show how it's a bit like, it's a slight echo of that bit in uh, when their television gets stolen. Oh, Monday morning will be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's really at a loose end, and he's at a loose end here as well. So he's (laughs) uh, he's somebody who is very much, um, uh, he's very used to uh, technology, or at least having the home comforts of television and radio. Uh, And he's forgotten how to, uh, what what to do? Yeah, um, I mean,
2: it, uh, as ever is the way. Yeah, Victor is finding this familiar situation of British people. Yeah, like stuck indoors, power cut, hot summer's evening, irritating and unbearable. But yeah, like Margaret has ever composed, calm. She's battling through it, much like in of <laughs> time when she's just trying to get to sleep or uh, the all night party in um, Brian Murphy's episode that escapes me.
3: Oh, oh. yes, yeah, oh. yeah.
2: Why um, why, is, why is that episode name escape me? Uh, singing policeman. Uh, oh, oh, the man who flew away. The man who flew yeah.
3: The man who flew away.
2: And Margaret is always, you know, she just she just battles through, doesn't she? But then she yeah, does yeah. Crack eventually. I've made a note of Richard Wilson's already like a seasoned pro by now playing Victor Melchit, where he can literally do anything in character by this point and can extract like plenty of laughter from the studio mm. audience just by way of um mm. exhaling or sighing. And you yeah. know, just a few sighs <laughs> picks up a large hand fan and wafts himself of course blows out the the candles that are placed in the loaf of bread and oh, um... yes it's
3: bread isn't it i thought you know what i was i was i thought it was a cake at first because it was uh because you can't quite see but it is bread isn't it is it is it's bread? loaf of bread i've, I've always oh yeah definitely bread. bread definitely bread yeah yeah it's it's i think the first half of the episode is better than the second half the first half it's uh it's it's it is really it's much better the first half. It's less um, uh, sad. It has a uh, yeah. th- there is it's it, it focuses more on being funny, almost as if Remwick thought, uh, you know, he was he allowed himself the luxury of going a little bit deeper and more uh, melancholic in the in the yeah. last in the last half of the episode. It
2: happens in each of the minute by minute special timeless time. You learn about the the death of their son. In Beast in the Cage, there's sort of after he's played the cassette tape with uh, yeah Wilson, that, that gets a bit melancholy. Then it's a bit of oh, sort of pondering on about what life's all about. Um I'm sure it happened. Threatening. It, 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 we'll talk about in this episode the ending. What's the other real time? Yeah, one? that is a
3: that's very good point. It's almost as if the, that the is trial. The,
2: the trial. Yeah. The trial. Oh, yes, he's he not
3: thinking he's going to die.
2: Yeah, although he does end with a rant, doesn't it? But on the telephone which is what mirrors the start sorry you were you were gonna say
3: no no just that it's a very good point it's almost as if victor can't stay on his own um or can't uh not be doing anything for too long because he'll inevitably start becoming really morose yeah and. uh you, you wonder really if he has maybe depression or some thoughts, something, and he needs to distract himself constantly with television and other things. Maybe he must do. Maybe hey, that's life
2: just, life gets him down. Why, mm. why do people act a certain way? But it doesn't help that these. I think what, what we're talking about now is because this episode isn't a scene by scene. There's not a real thick plot to anything. It is going to be no. us just observing their behaviours, but. I think um, I can't remember what the point I was going to make now. Yeah, they because they don't seem to have friends. You know, they no don't, no from what we you know. There's people seem to want to spend time with them, whether it's the neighbours, Mr. Swainy, whether it's Ronnie Mildred, but they they're not they're not, too, they're not interested, are they? Even in no. Monday morning will be fine when they get to the pub. It, uh, is it uh, Meg and her seems to be husband? They're quite interested in talking to them. I know Victor was basically he was feeling awkward cuz mm. what, what was his name now he thought he was someone else uh,
3: yeah yeah the um he thought it's um the, the, yeah the guy from police sir uh, that's the Welsh actor uh he was playing a character i forget his name now and he thought victor was called steve <laughs> What's his name? uh but there was uh, i, I there was also the the idea i think in there that um victor doesn't like going out and meeting people because he laments in one episode that why do people always want to meet up, meet up. yeah that's um, right uh, yeah. and yet, yeah P- i moment. met margaret margaret doesn't seem to mind when she phones pepper um that's true to go out later on billy uh, billy Billy, Billy, ed- Billy, yeah, yeah, that's it, that's
2: it, yeah. Not, I'm not gonna lie, I just looked that up. I didn't just think of it. <laughs> <laughs> You Shouldn't have
3: said anything. No,
2: <laughs> I shouldn't.
3: Just said it was Billy. Uh, They're not yeah, invited but... to
2: Mister and Missus Ellsbury's famous parties, are they? Infamous all-nighters. No, no. Me, but they don't. They don't. Does Victor hold Margaret back? Do we think? I think so. When 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 Victor passes away, she obviously makes good friends with Glynis and. There's no doubt she'll lead a uh, more of a sociable life, I think, because she's on her own, but Victor just mm. finds the world too too tiring. You know, he gets too wound up. He, he doesn't, there's, there's never really any example of him enjoying someone else's company. He might now tolerate no. people. Mm. It could be Tom Croker, it could be Brian Murphy, his character, who, again, name escapes me, Mr. Foskett. Mm. Doesn't really want to see him, but he doesn't Snap at him like you might say, Well, Mrs. Warboys, or so
3: yeah. yeah, I think he is polite into a degree, you know. He just, uh, he, he just with Mrs. Warboys, it's uh, he's so used to her, he could say anything to her now, and he, he, she's just sort of she put, tolerates it. But there is no male equivalent to Mrs. Warboys in Victor's life, you don't have, um, you, you would think you would have. Somebody, I remember in Endgame when the when the mechanic, I think it's the mechanic, phones him up to say they found his car, and he says, "Oh, thanks, buy you a drink." And oh, I yeah, thought, well, yeah, yeah. does Victor go to the pub? That <laughs> <laughs> he seems to. Varies, well, he, does,
2: he does in Love and Death, doesn't he? He he gets hammered after. Um, oh yes,
3: um, yeah. So yeah. he has got
2: it. In, he has got it in him to.
3: <laughs> he has got it in him. Yeah, to have a good time. Do you think?
2: Do you think in? Uh, I'm just terrible with episode titles tonight. When he goes to watch the football and he misses it, Millicent. Um, uh, oh, yeah. I oh, it's going um, tonight. it's not that he can't um, even blame the weather because it's cooler. This is why I edit it. Well, edit it. Yeah. down So it's like we remember.
3: Uh, <laughs> it's half an hour of his, I'm in an hour in over what the characters are called.
2: <laughs> Hang on a minute. Series five. It's, it's Millicent. It's uh, Barbara Windsor. Why is it's,
3: it? Oh, damn. What is it? Of, is it?
2: The Affair of the Holy Lady. Yeah. Oh, that. Oh, right. it was, yeah, yeah. Do you think? Do you think he um, goes to the football on his own in that episode? Do we think he's mean up with? I think he is meeting up with friends, isn't he? Do think he does mention it?
3: Uh, maybe I can't. I can't. I, 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 it's difficult to imagine Victor in uh, with, with friends, even when he has the, um, even when he invites everybody around to his housewarming and leaves an airport. And no one can Yeah, yeah. They got it's, a lot of it, got
2: a lot of friends, really. Yeah, they just grow apart over the years, I suppose.
3: Most of those seem to be neighbours from their previous uh, yeah. place.
2: Yeah. Mr. Prout. Um, yeah,
3: Mr. Prout, and and yet yeah, he doesn't. Know, we don't know his first name, so it would seem like even even then there is some sort of remove between them. Even though yeah. he seems like a really nice guy, Mr. Prout, from what we see of him, mouth um, party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's it would it would seem like there is not much. Uh, oh, 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 and just it could just occur to me now. The yep. people in his magic circle type
2: group. Oh, Secret Seven Sorcerers, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, there are some people in there now. Maybe they're friends. Does he just push people away? I don't know. <laughs> Probably does. Probably does. Maybe they think that if um, if they get too close to him, they will be uh, enveloped in the same uh, disaster as he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> so yeah. a- Give him a wide berth back uh, onto the topic of
2: candles well ca- topic of candles he- he's just yeah. them out and he says he- he's a bit narc that there's not like one decent candle in the whole house or words to that effect and he doesn't know he doesn't know where to put the current candles for the best i don't think he mis- misplaced them but it does mean margaret quips straight back with
1: i know where i'd like to put them
2: ah <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and i think uh yeah i think <laughs> and he's just forever asking you know when are they going to put this when is the power going to come back on sort of rhetorically speaking aloud how many times has Market come back with a slightly sharp and harsh come yeah back? exactly i wish you were dead you know it's just
3: yeah oh i love that. it i love that i wish you were dead <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> with, Vic, uh, with with him sighing once again Mar- Margaret is concerned that he's going to suck up all the oxygen, and it's hard to tell if yeah. she's being serious or
3: not. She's happy to read, though, isn't she? She's reading, uh, she's reading a novel called The Judas Window by uh, Carter Dixon, who is a um, writer who is considered to be the, uh, the best writer of locked room mysteries uh, ever.
0: And oh, he was uh,
3: right. interesting. He was, he was a writer from the um, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, um, what we call the golden age of the 30s and 40s, and uh, he would, and it, he was a great influence on Remwick. um read all of his books. It would appear because um, Jonathan Creek is um, uh, festooned with ideas from um, I'd which have been, which are sort of of that sort you know yeah. i'm not saying i'm yeah, not yeah, saying robbing still ideas from it. i'm <laughs> saying uh, of the, of that kind of of impossible crimes and things like that have you read um, any of these, uh, these, these these um these books yeah i've got a bunch upstairs he writes under two names. he wrote under two names um his, his real name was um uh john dixon Carr, and uh and his, the pseudonym was carter dixon so the novel margaret is reading is a, is a mystery featuring the character Sir Henry Merivale. Oh. And, uh, and it would seem that Victor is also a fan of those books because he knew the ending. And, uh, and I, I think Victor is quite a mystery fan. We know he likes to watch episodes of Columbo, Poirot, and, yeah. um, and Ruth Rendell Mysteries. And um, so, yeah, he is, it seems like he shares uh, Renwick's interest in that area. Well, David Renwick
2: has said pretty much he channels his beliefs and energies and opinions through Victor. So we can only presume, mm-hmm. you know, Renwick is a, is, a, is a fan of the Ruth Rendell mysteries. And,
3: and yeah, the... yeah. Anyway, well, he'd have to be a fan of mysteries to write them as well as yeah, he does.
2: That's very true. It's very true. Victor mm-hmm. sarcastically says it's a good job they've got these three giant chillmaster electric fans, which is very typical. <laughs> you know, they, they want the one thing to keep them cool and they can't operate them at the moment and he, he does speculate about maybe going to bed he may as well go to bed what's the point but when he's challenged to or does he is he challenged by Margaret why would you
3: why bother yeah he, he just says he won't be able to sleep yes that's it you mentioned that earlier didn't you it's too hot to go to bed and there's nothing to do there is um I don't know if if um the power cut has anything to do with the heat. I don't know if that's possible or not. Maybe um, oh. um
2: Maybe uh, over overheated sources outside, um, whether that be power lines or I don't know. Mm. We can only speculate. Victor does feel like he's um, been all tense and jittery, which does spark Margaret to concur, and she compa- compares his previous night's twitching on his stomach uh, to a to a porpoise having a seizure. Uh, yeah. Bottom all clenched, you know. I think she thinks he's having some some sort of bad dream, and says mm. you shouldn't you shouldn't have watched deliverance before bed never seen deliverance but i can only imagine what kind of film that is for him to experience in a bad night to experience a bad night's sleep uh,
3: yeah there's uh without going into too much detail from what i understand there is uh there is a scene where the um rural folk get uh, a little on the romantic side with um with farm <laughs> right. oh my. Okay. so it's uh yeah it's it's a it's um yeah so it's it's that it's uh and that's why she says she can um um sharpen a pencil with it yes. that's a fantastic a line isn't up it? His rear. yeah and that's, that's uh, up
2: there that's up there with like a stuff a mattress with your pubic hair isn't it it's yes yes very similar very witty yes, analogies <laughs> mm. by uh by mark
3: and she says to him, "She, you shouldn't have watched Deliverance." In the same way, in the previous episode, she said, "I told you not to watch that Alfred Hitchcock film before back Yeah, yeah. I like, so, the, uh, I
2: like the continuity with the character building, and and it is very consistent. So i was
3: just going to say, it doesn't seem to be a great deal of common sense with Victor in that respect. That uh, he doesn't seem, to, he just seems to. You can imagine him sort of um, surfing the channels and then falling on a film and then sort of watching it. And he wouldn't think to himself, this is not the best thing to watch before that. Whereas Margaret would be um, mother Henson slightly in that respect. Well, and that,
2: understands... I mean, that's like people who uh, can't resist resist a hot curry. Mm. The next day, they're just suffering for it. So <laughs> he does enjoy these, these, type, these types of genre film or, or programme. He's a little yeah. riled up at this point, though. He's staring out the window, um, which he's about to open, but Margaret snaps at him not to open the window due to the possibility of being eaten alive by the mosquitoes. Uh, so especially since um, her over the road with the ornamental pond. I don't know if that's the, the Aylesbury. I think she'd say if it's the Aylesbury's or just some other unknown, unheard of neighbour. And uh, he does Victor contemplates shoving his head into the fish tank and he observes the croissants. Never mind plant food, should have given it a sachet of Viagra. So he's just yeah. observing everything he sees right now. And any, any line that comes out is, at this point, making me laugh anyway, at least while in the audience. That's
3: when the lamp falls on him, isn't it? And uh, uh, Well, later on. Yeah, yeah, I think that's when he mentions the Viagra.
2: He <laughs> mentions it. I've written down that he, yeah, he does mention the Viagra that, then, but why have I written down that uh, never mind plant food, should have given it a sachet of Vi- Viagra.
3: Does he mention it twice? Then I don't know. I can't remember. You're definitely right that
2: thing. he men- he mentions it. And it she says, the "Yeah." I see. Plant food, croissants should have given it sasha viagra.
3: She says it gives him. Um, it's it's lucky. I had a soft place to land the um uh yeah. the lampshade. So he's so he's trying to say, he's trying to insinuate that if he was a little more. Um, I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna finish that sentence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: It becomes a different
2: podcast. Uh, uh, I'm going to be geeky and just find out, because it's doing... (laughs) (laughs) There's a website there. Okay, so, yeah, just to go over to the script.
0: Look at these croissants. Three days and wilting already. Never mind plant food. I should give you a sachet of Viagra. Ah, there
3: we are then. Yeah. Oh, that's... Yes. So so when... So when he mentions it again later on, it's a back reference. Oh, wow. Okay, very good. Well, she says, yeah, good well, job it landed course. on
2: something soft or something, don't she, later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. That's fine.
3: Uh-huh.
2: So Victor is still a man who irrationally displays any pain he's suffering with. Thinks there's sort of pain all down his front again and he's obviously thinking the worst. And it's definitely not wind, like he points out. And Margaret suggests all the monkey nuts he was eating in the bath could be the cause of that, or well, partly anyway, that was Shaping up for a, a cycle I think he. So she thinks it's basically his wind. All the all the monkey nuts you're eating, in the bath, <laughs> shaping up for a cycling. Mm. I think I'm sure he was eating monkey nuts in Victor in the bath comic relief episode. Do you remember that when he's just scoffing away? Uh
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I remember you mentioned it in a, in a previous part. Yeah,
2: because I, uh, I could uh, I could make out what he was eating. I think Nikki who had on, say, no, that's the monkey mm. nuts.
3: So he was saying it's a funny thing to eat in the bath. <laughs> Just nuts, <laughs> but uh, yeah,
2: I'm sure I've eaten in the bath before. I'm sure I have. In fact, I will, I will have things. So, on the back of Margaret's jibes about his bath antics, Victor defends himself after the buggering about with a new lawnmower. In the trial, he, he talks about trying to mow the lawn, but due to the wet weather stopping him, and he sort of yeah, he can't the, the, to, the, to the gods.
3: That's right, yeah, because it keeps um, it keeps raining, doesn't it?
2: And yes, sound. that's right. Yeah, yeah. And he said, he goes on to say, on the back of the new lawnmower, three words which are destined to strike fear into any man:
0: easy home assembly.
2: <laughs> True, where yeah. I'm concerned, I, I've never been. I assembling things is not my forte. I don't know about you, no. David. No, no. But very much reaching out to the stereotype there, isn't he? And like I say, I, oh, date, yeah, I definitely, yeah. I definitely fit into that <laughs> Use It's, of it's like... Uh,
3: it's like an ikea joke isn't it it's um whatever self-assembly is um is involved um so when the in this part of the episode i think they're still um it's always the living room isn't it he wanders into the kitchen but he doesn't go upstairs or anything like that there's there's a shot of him in the
2: hallway He goes to the back downstairs toilet and and oh yeah and he finds his flat Sorry, did, am I? Did I miss the fact that they got a flat pack lawnmower? There's, there's no such thing, obviously. Is that Remick having a joy? But flat pack, flat pack
3: lawnmower. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't imagine they would, uh, there would be such a thing. It was surely? No, of
2: course it is. No. it's Renwick just uh, of... It's
3: not, it's not that weird a concept enough for it to be funny. So I don't know why it's, uh, I don't know why he wrote that
2: in. Yeah, he also, I swear, he's also experienced similar with the the lampshades he's put up. So He's put some lamp shades up. Has he mentioned that? I think,
3: yeah, because it would set up the joke and it falls on him,
2: yeah, yeah. So, uh, he planted that little seed,
3: and that's that's a good thing about those, um, about these uh single scene episodes is that you would think they would be almost radio like and uh, in how they're written, but there are visual um flourishes in this in, in these episodes, there are slapstick moments, yeah, so this- it's not the. It's, it's, not, not just, it's not just
2: audio. Yeah, it's not just throwaway comments. There's no, no. always bit of pathos, isn't there? Another, mm. another quick spray on Victor's chest to keep him cool before, <laughs> um, before he—he's yeah. he's just trying to speculate so speculating if he's got Crohn's syndrome. And she,
4: all oh, right, Margaret, yeah. putting
2: his mind at rest. And you've been to the GP about this, you know, they've had a thorough checkup, and uh, which aggravates Victor because he recounts the doctor paying int- special attention to his feet wants to
3: take Oh yes. I laughed out loud at that bit. Yeah. The Lancet. Yeah. yeah. Like
2: for a, which is a it's a science journal, apparently for mm. fellow scientists. I didn't know that. I don't know if you as ever mm. look up this reference. Yeah. But it's
3: something a... you shouldn't say to Victor because he's a hypochondriac. So right.
2: going... yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think some some people might find it an honorary or an honor, sorry, to be featured, even if it was your picture of your foot in such a Yeah, yeah well in such a magazine, magazine yeah.
3: yeah but not not pick, no, no.
2: something it's, else I got uh, to, something else i got to worry about is a, exactly. a catchphrase and, in his own isn't it as he says and it
3: comes uh, it comes hot on the heels of towns of terror
2: where he had medical worries and that too didn't he? yes no thanks to uh, mrs warboys of course
3: yeah yeah a black pudding and uh, <laughs> That's the, with the um, when this was first shown in 2000, uh, mm. this episode, and indeed the whole series, um, I felt that there was a I love Tales of Terror, I think that was a really strong episode. I would put that up as well with Dawn of Man, I would put those two episodes up there as some of the yep. best one but sever I the thing with it being a commission of six episodes, of course, is that you need to fill out the other episodes, yeah. and uh, I think I remember. I, it was shown in September two thousand, I think. Uh so I was um I was eleven. And right. uh I remember I, I remember reading on TallyTax that he was going to die. And so I rem- and I was it's it's morbid, but I was so looking forward to how they would handle that, that like yeah. the idea that they would that I had to wait six weeks <laughs> to find out how they were gonna do that was um uh, was very did, did, a bit, a bit, a bit slightly irritating. But did you know um
2: the Daily Express apparently caught wind of how he would die and who would kill him. And Remwick went absolutely potty at, um well, the editor. I don't yeah. Know how that sort of thing leaks, or unless they, you know, some journos hiding behind the bushes, seeing exactly what happens. But yeah, because the, the, I was always surprised that we were told in advance that Victor's going to die. I don't think that yeah, was yeah. separate, was it? It was just no,
3: no. You're right. It's it's a weird thing, isn't was,
2: it? It was how he was mm. wasn't supposed to be, or how he dies wasn't supposed to be known, and of course by who. But um, thankfully, there was a time before social media, many years before. So mm. No one really would have, unless you bought the Daily Express um, at the time. Just, I certainly didn't
3: recall. Don't recall hearing.
2: No, uh, no I, I knew then, about. I knew about the uh, impending death.
3: Yeah, say, but you know. then it isn't it isn't played on uh, the final episode as a, as a twist of any kind. Uh, yeah. It's, as you know, you know, he's already dead in that episode. So, um, that.
2: it's a sucker punch that isn't it? When he opens up and he's already gone. You've got, you've
3: yeah. Got yeah those people who have heard would be, a, would be surprised. Yeah. Um, but so when it came to the, uh, so the first episode, the executioner song, I feel is more of a, it's not a great episode, but it is brilliant to see Patrick again. Uh, yeah, and then Tales of Terror is brilliant. Uh, f- but I, I only um, <laughs> don't mean to turn it into a review of the whole of Series Sorry. Six. But for context, it's uh, this episode is probably uh, the I, I would say it's it's a very subdued episode. There's mm. not much scope, and therefore it's uh, it's probably one of the uh, slightly underwhelming those who may but it was certainly so for me when i first uh saw it in 2000 but then i've never been a great fan of the single scene episodes because it restricts uh other characters from coming in characters who i like like uh, mr swaney and do, uh, and patrick
2: do you therefore are you therefore not a fan of royal family
3: i haven't seen a great deal of royal family i um I've seen, uh, and yeah, you're you're right. It's it's like The, the ro- whole of the royal family is <laughs> is like this episode.
2: Yeah, uh, it is, isn't it? It was. I mean, royal family been out a couple of series by this point, I suppose.
3: Yeah. So um, hmm. I like I like some of what I've seen. Uh, I didn't like I do not like when it gets too soppy at times. Um, just a couple of times uh, like when the bathroom scene, etc.
2: Oh yes, yeah.
3: Uh, when niece is uh, nice is crying. Really yeah. Um, Are you sure it's not just a great big piss,
2: love? That's one of the best lines in that, in that moment for me. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we we ought
3: like
2: to, we yeah. ought to uh, try and get back on uh, back on topic because I could talk. About, oh yeah, yeah. I course. could talk about all comedies with you in particular. Oh yes, evening. of course. Sorry, Victor Ruse the day didn't he didn't purchase a, a foot spa from Debenhams? But he had a yes. spontaneous idea of popping to the downstairs toilet, <laughs> popping his foot down. The, yeah, that's the car, weird, so isn't it? The, yeah, I mean, if it's not a yucca plant, it's his foot, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. But anything to cool yourself down, he just seems to think that's that's fine. And he, I think he walks past his cap, his beret, hung up on the, the coat hook, mm-hmm. which, yeah, brings on a rant.
0: And if I ever find the bastards who did this, they'll know about it, I can tell you that much. Coming to it when you can't put your cap down on a pub table to go to the toilet without someone stubbing a cigarette out in it. If yes, that's what happened, well, I don't imagine it's a moth with a very healthy appetite. Some yob's idea of an hilarious prank.
2: And he promotes the yob who allegedly stubbed out like a cigarette mm-hmm. whilst he was in the toilet somewhere. I don't know where. Where was he? Was it in a pub? In a pub,
3: which is so... further proof that he goes oh, to, the yeah, he he get to the
2: pub. Yeah, he does. He does go to the pub. Margaret suggests he goes upstairs to practice a bit of Tai Chi, probably for her own benefit as much as his. Mm. Yeah, a reference point for later on. Actually, Tai Chi—it's quite interesting doing Tai Chi. He's previously attempted re- reflexology, of course, and only a story. So that's be a woman's a woman manipulating parts of his feet with the, with mm. the nipples. Yeah, that's weird. He's not—he's not so open-minded to Tai Chi this time round. Well, to this kind of um, therapy, anyway. But he's been doing it, it with Mr. and Mrs. Ellsbury. I wouldn't have thought he wanted to be anywhere near Mr. And Mrs. Ellsbury.
3: It's, uh, I suppose, it's a little foreshadowing about his health but he, because uh, he needs the doctor in the for, in the last episode, or at least he has the district nurse coming around who advises him to go running, etc. Yeah, that's so true. So they they are thinking about his stress levels, and it's a neat uh, red herring, I suppose, because a discerning viewer may believe that he's going to drop down of a heart attack yes. in the final episode.
2: Well, uh, like I said in, in, te- in Tales of Terror*, there's that hint that his health is declining, mm. which of course is it *Tales of Terror* with the black pudding.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, is, yeah. It is, yeah.
2: Well, Vic, Victor recounts getting up at six o'clock in the, this very morning in this episode mm-hmm. to practice mm-hmm. to practice the Tai Chi on on his own, uh, which he which he obviously struggled with um, afterwards due to the various aches and pains with his joints. Mm-hmm walking home like a a chimpanzee, as he describes it. So um, there's quite an image in your mind that he's willing to get up that early to do that. I don't think it counts as exercise, but therapy or meditation, whatever. I've I've never experienced Tai Chi. I've heard, obviously I've heard of it, but anyway, probably
3: good for Victor. He says a a strange uh, phrase, uh, which he's never used before. He he says, um, fart-arsing around. Yeah, Uh, I
2: made a note that that's not something he would usually say, is it? No, it's a bit coarse for Victor, isn't it? It's a bit obvious, I think. I think maybe Jonathan Creek might use the phrase Mm. tartarsing, but I do not Yeah, yeah, or Maddie certainly. Yeah, definitely Maddie. Yeah, Yeah. definitely Maddie.
0: So when they came over to give you some lessons, the three of you were getting on quite well together. We looked like Wilson, Keppel, and Betty.
2: (laughs) Victor goes to, um, I think, do what many of us might do: hot air rises, so why not lie on the floor Mm. and uh, try and keep cool? he lays in front of the coffee table. All seems very peaceful as Margaret, uh, Margaret continues to read her book. Which the brief peace is cut short when Victor asks her uh, if her choice of reading is any good, and uh, he looks ahead to a, a dinner party from hell tomorrow with Great Aunt Joyce and Uncle Dick. It's been a short while since they've been mentioned. I think
3: have they been mentioned before? I know. He, I know Uncle Dick is is played by Eric Sykes in the last in the comic relief special when they yes. go and visits him in hospital. I but think I, I, thing... I could not remember. I, I can remember hearing about him before.
2: I was going to say in. Descend into the maelstrom he was, he was going to his 60th birthday but that's was a cu- uh, cousin wasn't it mm. cousin. I'm, sh- I'm sure Great Aunt Joyce has been mentioned at least I don't know about Uncle Dick but he is reminded well, he reminds himself of the last nightmare they had when dining at their place which sounds like an absolute hygienic nightmare oh um, yes! Uh, yes So also, <laughs> this is when <laughs> when dining at oh, their my place God.
0: knew we were in for a pleasant evening when he came in and said where shall I put the platoon <laughs> Told him to make himself feel at home So he took his false arm off <laughs> And said Ah oh, that's better Didn't know where to look Was using it as a back
3: scratcher At one point that's I didn't a know bit serious, that was what you, um, you know when you've got grapes And you, uh, and you spit, you spit yeah. It it's yeah, yeah. obvious
2: now Because when I looked it up I got I thought, of course it's that. So I just yeah, thought yeah. Rodney and
3: Dell. in... Um... I was just going to say that. Remember that? What was that? In, in uh, Let Sheep and Dogs Fly when they're yeah. eating uh, Albert's grapes. That's right. Instead of taking yeah. them to him in the hospital. And all along, uh, you are sat at home eating my grapes. Yeah. That's it, yeah, yeah. It's anyway. funny how these things... I know. Uh, all roads lead to horses and horses. <laughs> yeah, Whenever in life we could <laughs> yeah. be in a museum, see an antique spittoon, and immediately start thinking <laughs> about the and horses and also the false eye. Oh, uh, do
0: you remember? Yes! I mean, that's all you want to hear halfway through a meal, isn't it? Don't make her laugh too much, her glass eye's a bit loose. <laughs> right in a plate of salad. <laughs> and the eyesight's not that good in the other one, shouting, it's all right, I've got it. <laughs> Thought we'd never prize that cherry tomato out of the soffit.
3: It's very, uh, very macabre humour, but it's, um, it's, 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 it's related anecdotally, like, like many of the things in in, in yeah. uh, David Raymond just,
2: just ludicrous um, uh, anecdotes, you know. Because
3: you do wonder, you know, like, but I suppose that's what happens in real life. People do sort of tell tell people things they already know. They certainly, do in television,
2: yeah. That's but it's true. this
3: way of revisiting it, he's thinking out loud, yeah, he's he's, thinking aloud, um,
2: almost rhetorically thinking out yeah. loud. He doesn't expect a response,
0: it's up enough with the lawnmower without having to put the dinner guests back together.
2: <laughs> Quite a witty retort. It's obviously referring to the, the fake <laughs> arm. <and laughs> Victor contemplates emigrating due to the weather, sort of tug in cheek, of course. Uh, I'm sure he wouldn't.
3: When think. I heard that, I if um. Well, I don't know where he would. I mean, I know he's only being silly, but uh, yes. there are plenty of warmer places than than one for and than London. So mm-hmm. England. So he's going to um, he's going to make it worse. <laughs> he will end up going somewhere even hotter.
2: Well, why not Scotland? You know, they're, they're never ah. They're, yes, why well, national- you say that? I was the nationality is never referenced, is it? They're both a Scottish couple, but they we don't ever. Yeah, hear. I was
3: thinking.
2: Oh my wrong? Yeah,
3: I, I. No, I think they. They are a Scottish couple, although um, that I was thinking the other day how his pronunciation of bastard
2: yeah.
3: is English.
2: Well, but it was, his it was but, years and years before I realised Richard Wilson was Scottish. It's just it's the yeah, best yeah. Scotsman I've ever heard.
3: Well, it's the, it's the Sean Connery thing, isn't it? It's trying to um, uh, lose the Scottish accent in order to have that RP accent, which they uh, which they enforce mm. in drama school. Oh, okay. um it's just why nobody other than them talk like that <laughs> true, true, yeah yeah this talk of
2: you know emigrating due to the weather does lead him on like a philosophical speech about not watching the weather forecast because you know if, if it's gonna be nice in the morning why mm. would you want to know it's going to be worse in the afternoon it's it's best just to not know about it and that's something that mm. renwick has brought up in the weather book he doesn't want to know if it's going to be peeing down in the in the afternoon if it's Sunday mm. in the morning, so what's the point in enjoying the morning sort of which I which I get, I think most of us do check the weather forecast, whether on the television,
3: your phone, your I thing, disagree or with it though. I, yeah. I think if you know it's raining in the afternoon, you're gonna enjoy the morning all the more. I suppose so, yeah. That's the other way to look at it.
2: It's, it's, there's two sides to that, isn't there? Depends on the day for me. One day I might mm. think that's, that's no point. By 12 o'clock it's going to pee, be peeing it down. Yeah, like yeah. you said, you might want to make the most of it. Like I said, there's certain things you never want to think about. And Mar- Margaret says, what sort of things? Well, I don't want to think about them, do I? Yeah, yeah. Quite funny, yeah.
3: Of, okay. co- of course, what the episode is referring to there is, um, and we'll come to this later, when the next character comes in, but it's talking about um, age and um, being disabled when you're older. So that's mm. the sort of thing it's hinting at, I think. It's you yeah. don't want to know that you're going to end up being in some way incapacitated. Um, you prefer not to know. I think that's what, what the episode is trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: th- but Victor's sort of slightly contradicting his idea of not wanting to know what's going to happen next in life but he's always anticipating the worst isn't he in these situations like he's anticipating oh, yeah. great aunt joyce uh dining experience mm. to be another nightmare or yeah. when, he, when he's forced to, to have a meal with patrick to make up for their fallouts he's, he's not wow. really enjoying the moment because he's not looking forward to it well, I suppose, I re- he knows, I suppose.
3: Yeah, I think, I think, uh, experience has told him. I remember Renwick saying once that he prefers to, um, uh, assume the worst and he'll never be disappointed.
4: Yeah. Uh, that's what
3: Renwick says about himself, uh, yes, which yeah. is, you know, that, that, that's, that's all very well but you're not going to see that um printed on a tea towel are you <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna
2: be a big seller is it
3: no it's not no no there's no French magnets to be made in that
2: oh. right in the moment of, of preaching to margaret about making the most of the here and now and what it would feel like if we knew all of the horrible things that were going to happen the lampshade falls right down on his crotch area
0: i mean if you knew now all the horrible things that were going to happen
2: here. Ow! Which is it great. Does. Like you said, great visual slapstick comedy. It is, yeah. And um, like I said, we already know about the fact that he's put up the lampshade for the lights earlier, and Margaret puts it down to this, you know, tighten up the screws. It's a few sort of uh, double entendres from Margaret. You know, glad, <laughs> it landed, <laughs> glad it landed on something soft or something. Is it still in my favourite?
3: <laughs> My favourite double entendre is in rearranging the dust when she says about the spider, it'd probably be in his fly. Probably right feel right at his home and looks the cobwebs. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they, you get those every so often, they <laughs> kind of creep out there.
0: But it's still in one piece.
3: He breathes with their humour. The, the lamp uh, shade thing, it livens up the episode a little bit because it's obviously a very static episode. Uh, yeah, they're all stationary is. for the most part.
0: I suppose we should be glad it fell on something soft.
3: There are two ways of looking at single episode, sitcom, episode, single scene episodes. I think is on the one hand, there's more uh, verisimilitude with it. You feel like it could happen in real life. Yeah. Uh, you feel like you're, you're spending time with. It's it's a bit like goggle box, isn't it? You're watching people in their living room and you're in your living room. Um, but on the other hand, it doesn't open up. To anything. There are no cuts to the next day or anything like that. You know, you're not going to meet many of the characters. Uh, and so, in that respect, I find these episodes quite uh, claustrophobic. And um, I've always uh, liked Mr. Swaney and Patrick and so forth coming into it, but they're only in two episodes a series. And if I, if I had my way, every episode without Patrick in it, it'd be like Never the Twain, the uh, neighbor and, uh, rivalry sitcom from the 80s. And uh, But then, of course, it's not just about Patrick. It's not about Patrick. It's about Victor and his life. And uh, you need to see every, every corner of this life in order to gain some kind of idea about how this man lives.
0: I mean, three and a half days it had to do that. But no, it had to come down just at that moment. Oh.
3: Who,
2: who's your favourite side character of any sitcom? Wow,
3: that's a question. Would Mister
2: <laughs> Sweeney be right up there for one of your favourite uh, side characters?
3: He does, although uh, like we, as we've said before, we do wish he would be uh, unambiguously a psycho. Like we know that yeah, his yeah. memory's real. I would like uh, I would like them to sort of um, uh, kind of suggest every so often that maybe people are dying (laughs) over there i don't know really go dark with it (laughs) i don't know maybe that's too much but um a trigger i suppose would be the most obvious yeah
2: that's a good that's a good shout trigger
3: um there is in yeah in in sitcoms there are so many great characters who just um appear on a recurring basis if it's uh key and the Big Bang Theory or if it's Bulldog and Frasier uh there are all these different kind of characters who kind of peek in uh you know, walk on every so often but Father not in
2: who's who's oh, the couple yeah. in Father Ted who like beating each other up but yeah yeah so. um
3: John and Mary's John and
2: Mary that's it that's one of my favorite yeah. side characters oh, that comes a, a duo
3: gosh yeah them. they hate each other don't they yeah and uh Larry, what's the what's the guy name? Is Larry Duff, Larry Duff, and Father Tad, the oh, guy he phones oh. on the phone. Oh yeah, And he always catches him at the most inopportune moments, and it almost, it almost
2: uh, kills him off each time. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like a South Park, isn't it? With Kenny, <laughs> it
3: is, isn't it with Dizer, Kenny? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick would sympathise because he's been in even worse trouble. He had the uh, crab at his, uh, in his oh, yeah. <laughs> in his shorts, didn't he? Uh, you know what? No word of a lie. From I saw that episode, and I was about nine. From then on until probably my mid-teens, whenever I went to the beach, I would uh, and I'd walk along the sand. I put my I'd wrap my socks over over my the edges of my trousers, <laughs> just, in case, just in case a crab wandered up there. God, that really, oh, that really affected you, didn't it? It did. It did. Oh. Goodness me. that was um, even though I wasn't, um, I wasn't exactly traumatized, but it did recur. It did. It did kind of think, well, I'm going to do this, obviously. That's, and um, um, the topic of
2: the crab though because we in execution assault we get a bit of background to a couple of past storylines like almost, yeah yeah like, um conclusions or consequences to what has happened yeah. he has to have a vasectomy or something on the back of that crab uh, no he
3: didn't he he sabotaged his sperm count that's it so, uh, so, so so
2: that's quite a big deal that's a very dark element oh it is his because his, i i couldn't Quite recall if he and he and Pippa wanted children. I know she lost her mm. baby in a in a, in a you know, car accident through her own fault. Well, mm. at least her own fault through drink driving. But mm. it never seemed quite clear if they actually wanted kids. I don't know.
3: It's uh, yeah, that that scene is a good one because it kind of uh, recapitulates what's been going on. The last time you saw uh, Patrick, it reminds you of uh, the um, Flomo sequence in Starbound. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's his, uh, and his job hasn't been any, he hasn't got promoted or anything like that because... Um, uh but he can lose <laughs> his
2: job, though. He can lose easily, well, through a... Well, not that he'd be legally allowed to fire someone just through association of a...
3: No, no, I a, suppose so. But put yeah, it yeah. puts him in, um, I think, Rula Lenska's character's back, black, but, um Black Book.
2: After that, It wasn't Sam. We're going to Dylan Moran's Black Book, so that was a. Oh
3: no, <laughs> we can't go through every every sitcom, going. But uh, yeah, there anyway, is.
2: Uh... Uh, it's like it's so hard not to de- with these minute by minute episodes. It's hard not to deviate from you know from what's happening because it is a slow burner. Even though I, I can still laugh at this episode. He's yeah actually, yeah in, in this moment is uh, complaining of his chest air being or crisping up. Of course, yeah. Margaret responded in an unsurprised manner because he'd been using hairspray, basically. So, uh, thanks for telling me, Margaret. So she's louding. I don't know if she'd done that on purpose or not, but um yeah, that's that's quite a funny little funny brief mm-hmm. little joke. Um I just, I'm sure he's done similar with the toilet duck soap, hasn't he? he washed it on his face or something, become more green.
3: Oh um, yes, yes.
2: He's got a bit he of a did, didn't
1: like.
2: So, Mar- Margaret, you know, she's fed up. She's summarising that they're both hot. The power will come back on soon. She continues to, to read her book as Victor pours himself a, a bottle of Evian water. Uh, they haven't changed their branding in the last 20 years. because That looks exactly like the bottles of Evian you can get today. But There's you know, only so much you can do with a
3: label of that size, true. isn't
2: Yeah. It? Victor picks up a paper, glances over at Margaret reading her book, and, and he says,
0: Is that the one where the murderer fires a crossbow through the keyhole? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good one, if I remember rightly. What? Why do I bother? I have no idea sometimes. But all that happens at the beginning, surely. Or do you only find out about it at the end? (laughs) Ah, yes. Sorry about that. She's livid but speechless,
2: slams the book shut. Which uh massive spoiler from victor, yeah, and, yeah, and very sort of she's she's quite baffled by his cl- clumsy comments, and Victor realizes his mistake when when Victor realizes he made a mistake' he's quite funny, isn't it? Richard wilson very funny at putting that sort of whoops, sorry look,
3: sorry about that, sure. bear
2: dead, and he thinks yeah. so surely that was at the start of the book, or was it yeah, and uh yeah, just just to rub salt into the wounds he asks. Margaret's torch so he can read his paper and um she it's quite, an,
3: it's quite an interesting comment what Victor makes because that is the thing with murder mysteries what happens at the beginning we only find out at the end. Yeah. Uh so yeah. it's um, but then again you would think he would know that. He's <laughs> such a fan yeah. of these things.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the first article he, he Victor reads out, it's about a man who never throws his urine away. He's kept everything he's ever yeah. passed since the seventy-three, all bottled in a wine cellar and Leicester, <laughs> Leicester County Council court ordered to have it removed, any of these newspaper articles in in the Gazette, in the local rag, just so absurd, but so funny. It's so yeah. creative what Remit can think of. Yeah. He's only, I mean, you can... If you if you glance at the magazines on a rack in Tesco's or whatever, on the newsagents, you, if you see something like Cosmopolitan, and you'll see like a so-called quote from some randomer saying, oh, my husband was sleeping with... The, oh definitely like, yeah so it's like that these stories do exist whether they're true or not is another matter but yeah yeah i do like that um what Raymond could, could uh, muster up
3: yeah i wonder if he was um i wonder if he'd had the idea of that because it's a very vivid idea Put somebody keeping bottles of urine in their wine cellar i wonder mm. if he was going to introduce that um it has that kind of uh um uh, did, 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 what's Brian Murphy's character was called? Uh, Foskett, Mr. Foskett. Mr. Foskett had a collection of false uh, teeth. It's yeah. a similar dentures. Yeah, it's yeah. similar kind of idea. So I wonder if um, D- Renwick wanted to put that in and couldn't find anywhere, so he just tossed it out during, um, yeah, an anecdote.
2: Possibly. I mean, it's like Victor yeah. in the bath comic relief episode. That was scripts from the trial that they can fit into mm. the thirty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the article finished off with a predictable but witty pun. It's not the first time people have tried to take the piss. <laughs> Margaret interrupts him, bemused that he, he finds these articles amusing. Um, yeah. I don't think Victor finds it as funny as she thinks he does, but anyway.
3: Yeah, yeah, you're right there. It's a source of... Uh, is, I know what she means. I think men do tend to find... They have this sort of schoolboy humour... <laughs> uh <laughs> so but yeah, but he was he's more reading it in with incredulity than he is with amusement. Mm.
2: Well he's got nothing else to do, hasn't he? He's, he's yeah. that bored. Um further You toi- think you would
3: read that, wouldn't you?
2: <clears throat> yeah, you would well with with as much lighting as you possibly uh source. Further further yeah, further toilet crossword. further toilet content in the local rag. Soon one day you'll be able to go to the toilet over the internet. I mean, the closest you can get to going to the toilet of the internet, I suppose, is apart from posting you know, photos of your toilet experiences, I would say if you had to pay to use a public toilet with an app on your phone, that's the closest I can, can gather that that's what they would be predicting. I, I
3: think it's... Um... I think it's a comment on how um, how much you can do on the internet at that point in 2000. Yeah. So it was the most ridiculous idea. But he was right. He was quite prophetic in this episode. Later on, he just, um, they mention, um, he, he says that Rolf Harris could have been dead and they could have digitized him for yeah. um, Animal Hospital. <laughs> and That's what people are doing now. It's uh, there is only only two days ago. Uh, Paul McCartney released a video in which he was uh, he looked like he did in the mid '60s uh, because thing. they de-aged him. And yeah. uh, and, and the government are really worried about this kind of thing. So it's uh, it's quite um, forward thinking of of Ramwick to to slip that in there. That's true. Yeah, he's like the Simpsons. He's,
2: he could write for the Simpsons and make all sorts of predictions for the future. And, and yeah. Get it right, mostly. I mean, what sort of things can we do with the internet that you never thought we could do? Like, I didn't know you yes. could record. Yeah, pod, <laughs> I didn't know you could do podcasts over video calls so easily. Like, before lockdown, I didn't, I've never heard of Zoom. Microsoft Teams no, seemed no. to just come from nowhere um, when lockdown started. I didn't know. I know, and obviously, you, know, you can Facebook Messenger and Skype calls and stuff and FaceTime, but I, I wouldn't have known how to record it, such a thing, no, until no. last sort of last year
3: well it's just um there's a little tie in here with uh, the one for the grave novel isn't there because apparently it's set in the present day and mrs warboys is very much computer savvy yeah Uh, that's all we know about about the about the book and and i'm really looking forward to it i was just going to say when (laughs) when that book comes out i'm going to remember 2021 not for covid but for when (laughs) (laughs) what the the great book came out sorry that's tasteless but at the same time it's apparently a novelization of some of the later episodes yeah Uh, so it's a weird um juxtaposition between doing a remake and doing a um uh well that's what it is a remake but covering the same same thing going back to sort of victor what he what he would be like maybe using the internet
2: as such you know, he likes reading the, the local rag of these obscure, absurd articles. I think if alive, he'd definitely be clicking on, on all those third-party adverts that disease most trashy websites, you know, where you click about 50 times to get to the article and it's usually nothing. Uh, but, you, know, do you know what I mean? I definitely think he'd be endlessly clicking on these articles and these bizarre mishaps and obscurities from people's lives. I, I just think
3: he's definitely the sort. Maybe, of, maybe. I don't know if it, he would have. Uh, I don't know if he'd get far enough with the internet to. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But he's. Uh, he, he might still be reading a newspaper. He might be quite analog. Or,
2: That's true. Yeah, he might be um, sticking to his guns with uh, avoiding certain.
3: And it's a local paper as well he's reading so it might mm. be half uh, might be colored by his interest in what's going on locally
2: well you're saying what's going on locally we're approaching that now in the scene in in a, in a moment with with a, someone breaking into his car but before that we hear a cartoon like sound effect of a buzzing sound which is obviously the mosquito <laughs> The mosquito <laughs> is uh, made its way inside he's, he's off to retrieve through insect repellent Margaret's blaming Victor obviously for previously opening the window, but I don't think he did open it really, did he? He must have done for it to come inside. And we we hear, I think he head outside. He sees something outside and can't. It's not quite audible, but Victor's arguing with someone. Um, you can put the subtitles on. You can. It does put, bring up some of the dialogue sounds like he's asking someone to get out of there I'm presuming his car and you can just like make out of him saying get your toes out of my headrest or something and he returns indoors aggravated by this, this young bloke and his girlfriend down the road having sex in his car and he ends it by the sunroof don't have your sunroof down Victor that's a uh... That's the first mistake.
3: How would they be able to squeeze through his sunroof? Oh no, I'm sorry. They, they didn't get through the sunroof, did they? Uh, of course not. That's stupid. <laughs> they, they must have. He must have left the doors unlocked, maybe.
2: Well, sunroofs. I mean, his car. I mean, it's probably a mid to late '90s model. The sunroofs were pretty large. I reckon some people could, if it was an electronic sunroof. But yeah, they could have reached round to unlock it if it was a. Manual lock in new
3: car, as well, isn't it? It's one they've uh, in the sales, Yeah,
2: yeah, so it could be electric. Somewhere. Well, nevertheless, see, this this couple, this chap had the cheek to tell Victor to put some clothes on. Margaret instantly knows the chap. She goes, Oh, that'd be that pork butcher's son, Kevin. And she's sort of speaking in a despondent tone about youngsters of today not caring anymore. I mean, she's so relaxed by what's just happened. I mean, you'd be outraged, wouldn't you, if it's your car? It's like someone <clears> in my <throat> car having
3: sex. It's it's she sounded to me resigned, bitterly resigned. Yeah. They don't care anymore like that. And it's uh it's, yeah, it was quite powerful, that, the way she wrote that line reading.
0: That's that pork butcher's son, Kevin. You see, they don't care anymore, youngsters like that.
2: I like how Victor says, I'll butcher his port next time I see him. I don't <laughs> tell you what I found on the gear stick. I presume a condom is what they found on the gear stick. But, yeah, you know, that's what you know. I thought, yeah.
1: <laughs> there Victor, is. Uh...
2: He's, he's pretty worn out now, and he lays back down on the couch, and, and he actually apologises. He says he's he's going to become a, a registered hermit.
0: Who was it, said? Hell is other people,
2: and you expect this to follow with another philosophical discussion, but suddenly Margaret replies with
0: Mrs. Smedley at
3: number 14. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's a sort of bridge, isn't it? To the next uh section of dialogue, it is. Yeah, did you know? I mean, I looked up
2: that that phrase, hell is other people, and that's uh Jean Paul Sartre, is that if I pronounce it correctly from his oh, play, from a play No Exit? If anyone's familiar, oh, with right. that, but it's from that apparently, but yeah, Mr. Mrs sorry Mrs Smelly said said this as she came back from Benidorm she's obviously been <laughs> been on one of these cheap budget holidays i mean benidorm's supposed to be really really nice but there's obviously a side to it like ibiza there's a family side and there's like a clubbing side i think benidorm is the I, same i think
3: yeah maybe that's the what Renwick meant by that is uh, you would think if she was coming back from a sunny place she'd be really happy and bubbly mm. but it turns out she is really grim faced about of, her, of her life yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe she should have married Victor inst- <laughs> instead of Margaret. <laughs> she sounded like we could get on. There is just the it's the car incident. The only time really Victor um, confronts youth culture. You don't really see a great deal of of youth in uh, or, or or nowadays. There would be talking about hoodies and people wearing. Um, yeah different funny clothes or, Is- or having their phones and not not cro- not looking both ways whilst they walk aimlessly into the road looking at their phones that kind of thing the
2: closest there has been i think series one the valley of fear when they have um victor's been mugged doesn't he and they've got the neighborhood watch round oh really yeah saying what young people are like as such maybe something like the Grimway children and other kids in the street who play up to victor i'm sure he's i'm sure he must have said, referenced, young kids and how
3: they oh are. yeah we know that they were playing cricket outside of his yeah. door uh, and, and uh, the ball head, stuff like that yeah it, it's um it, it just isn't uh there is no particular uh takedown on uh, on that side of the population of, of such people as you might expect perhaps um but uh, maybe ranwick was fine with young people <laughs> Maybe that's why he didn't have, he didn't, uh, perhaps, perhaps, yeah.
2: With the topic of Ms. Mrs. Smedley, Margaret sort of goes off on a, well, I don't know what the phrase is she starts, well, she starts talking about this family of the Smedleys and she was referring to his mother and father in law, his, I think it's so, her. So she's got a lot going on with her, her in laws. That's what she says. Sorry. Mm. Victor doesn't know when he last saw him. So the father in law is obviously this person that they know quite well, as well as the, uh, yeah, Mrs. Mende. apparently this this trap is very overweight now and he can't fit through the front door, it's not really said in a mocking sense by Victor he's not being cruel, he's just saying he's no, just like no. a large guy and Marcus suspects it's to do with the medication he's on And
3: <laughs> but mm. the,
2: the one great line that comes from this topic is his neighbours complain when his underpants are hung on the line because they, <laughs> they lose an hour's daylight, that is comedy gold that is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my goodness yeah it's one oh, of those. It's
2: one of those images from like a simple one-liner, casually like delivered by a character that just works so well. Like you don't, you can just definitely envisage it. You don't. Need I know. Yeah.
3: I bet there are. I bet there are fans of this show who think I've heard these lines and in their memory they, they can swear it's film. Yeah. Because it's so, it's so visual, so vivid, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant writing. Writing dampers like that. You would even though it was always in the confines of a boarding house uh it, it, through the dialogue they were able to do so much and it didn't feel claustrophobic yeah no. um and if, uh, there's yeah but it's brilliant uh imagery that can come through with um anecdotal dialogue
2: yeah it's the master of it i think so, you know, yeah yeah back to the, the newspaper articles they're just so funny yeah Vic, victor yeah. says he'll, he'll be reporting the young couple's actions to their parents and how young are they? It's his parents. Yeah, like I said, he does mutter to himself about the yobbery of today and morning, noon, night. I think night.
3: that's probably why they did it in his car, because uh, they've got parents at home. I'm giving far too much thought into that particular scene. Podcast, um,
2: you can go into as much detail as... as yeah, yeah. Like, context.
3: I don't know how they got into his car. I'll have to say that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I, maybe maybe he kept the windows open because it was so hot.
2: Yes, maybe, actually. But she, it's I just think Redwick
3: should have written that in there. Yeah.
2: All we know is that Margaret says you, you left a sunroof over. He he describes how they got Well, how he thinks they got in. But, yeah, I don't know. But what a relief. Mm. The power comes back on. They, they Oh, they brilliant. Enjoy. It's just, oh, the Wouldn't television. On. On. Yeah, the fans. Are, it's so bright in contrast to the visuals we just had. Oh, it is. It's
3: shocking, isn't it?
2: And I think... surprising. Four seconds of power, and, uh, <laughs> and it just immediately oh. switches off. And, and obviously, you can't see their expressions on their face when it switches, but you just know they're just thinking, Oh my Christ. Yeah, oh. yeah. And uh,
3: the,
0: it, relief it says, it? The, the relief he has doesn't he? The relief. Yeah. Bloody yobbery. Morning, noon, and night. <laughs>
2: just what they needed in that moment yeah but his paranoia reaches new heights doesn't it because he caught something on the television which he presumes is images of his feet which was
1: probably mm-hmm.
2: earlier margaret rejects this notion he goes no it's from it's uh i think it's from it's something on the te- i think she says um something about a crucifixion off the of, uh, mm-hmm. a documentary about renaissance art She she's i recognize the big mold above my toe she goes that was a nail he's so paranoid He's, he's, he's paranoid with a lot of things, and a lot of things I was in, explain, like Meldry the Turd is, is
3: one example. So it can always, I, I was impressed by how quick Margaret understood what she was watching. That's true, yeah. yeah. I think she's seen, the, she's been reading the Radio Times or the TV Times, and yeah. so she kind of knows what's on, even yeah. though the, the television is off. I think yeah. that's the idea. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's three hours the power's been out at this point, isn't it? Three Gosh. Hours. Yeah.
3: yeah, blimey. While we're um, talking about the uh, the lighting, um, yes. what did um, am I I'm, am I the only one who's noticed? I probably I'm not. I, I'm just going for anything. Again. It's how um, uh, it's it, the film quality for the for series six is far superior to previous series. Yeah, it no, seems yeah. everything seems so more brighter and sharper with more clarity. It is. Now you're, you're not you're not
2: alone. I that, that stands out a mile. It mm. Even even between Endgame, I think mm. Game and Series Six, there's just, it's just a lot brighter, isn't it? I don't know. It's the set designers have made everything a lot more white. Camera technologies. I think improved. it's the
3: technology. There is. Um, it seems to me that if you can, um, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know much about what I'm talking about here. But if you watch an American sitcom of the period, you know it's American. Just by the quality of the footage uh, and everything, and it was the same is said for for Britain. You can tell it's Britain. Earlier on in the decade, things seem to be a little bit darker visually, yeah. and then by the end of the decade, um, it's the same with when uh, when you watch if they could see us now, uh, the two thousand and one yeah. special. Everything yeah. seems really sharper, and you could tell just by looking at it that it's been five years or so since the last episode. And I,
2: um, a lot of people. Would buy Only Fools and Horses on Blu-ray, but mm. I like the grainy, sort of darker colours of the of the mm-hmm. early series. Um
3: But yeah, this it's obviously camera technology. But you don't notice it. You don't you don't watch the old episodes and think it looks dim or anything. It's only it's only in comparison that you notice it.
2: Yeah, that's very true. Well, Margaret is trying to read through the TV Times mag. Like you said, she has <laughs> been reading through that, so she probably knew that that. Renaissance art documentary was on, and um, she's asked to see what was on the box. Dinosaur hospital, and <laughs> it's a mock-up on all the sort of programs in it. They had it, yeah. It's Walking I think dinosaurs, it's... animal hospital, exactly, exactly. Anything <laughs> like that, you could, they just yeah. start to it, diversify in, in all sorts of uh, reality TV and and
3: documentary. It's um, a, a it's a rare moments of satire for uh, for Remwick. Yeah, uh, and of course, he he done satire before in he did a, a newspaper sitcom, um, which Richard Blossom is in, hot metal. Yeah, so he, he does, he can do satire, and there's just a glimmer of it there with this, um, cross between, as you say, walking with dinosaurs and animal hospital, and uh, which is insane because how can you save an animal when it's extinct? <laughs> That's it, because <laughs> to show how it's, um, well, on the topic uh, of
2: that, they do mention. <laughs> Rolf Harris, yeah, I swear he's been dead for fifteen years.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: The time of when he's presenting Animal Hospital, but of course, is uh, yeah, he's not so not Mister Popper anymore, is he? he
3: it's like when he mentioned Nicholas Parsons, and uh, he said, "This Nicholas Parsons still alive?" And it's uh, yeah, he doesn't <laughs> seem to have his finger on the pulse uh, of popular no. culture, no, <laughs> Richard it uh, no. Victor, yeah. But uh, we've. Um, With the, uh, did we do we recognise what newspaper Victor is uh, reading, or is it just a local one? You know, previously in the episode, I mean, does he read? Has he ever read? Because you can usually tell. um, We're not a great deal about somebody, but you can sort of certainly uh, tell a little something by um, by what newspaper they're reading. It's I always um, the sun. It wouldn't be the Sun. I don't think I've ever seen Victor read the Sun. They used to read but, the Daily uh, Mirror. I
2: know Dell reads the Daily Mirror a lot, doesn't he? In, in oh, form, really? It, okay. From what I've seen, but otherwise Pekameco. I don't yeah. know. Yeah.
3: So that would mean that Victor would presumably maybe vote Labour. And Probably. it was only through through listening to this podcast that I noticed that he makes some occasionally disparaging remarks against Tory politicians. Oh, yeah. Witness. I never noticed that. Because uh, no. it's, uh, it's true. he, he, so
2: he talks know- about it in the trial. I think he um, he sarcastically uh, reels off with a conservative majority or something, and, mm. and and how I can't remember verbatim now the line. Oh, I know the one.
3: Yeah, the, oh, the in the bath moment. It's in the bath one. It's in the bar, League, picture of the bath, Yeah. And he says, "I can't believe that last election result." Yeah, yeah. But then in in, in another episode, uh, it's hinted that he voted for Thatcher because because Mar- uh, Margaret says to him. Uh, that's how she kept getting in, people like you. And so I I, I don't understand that disconnect. Um, Maybe a a
2: swing voter, maybe, I don't know.
3: Yeah, maybe I'm projecting, because I vote Labour, so... Oh,
2: okay, (laughs) fair enough.
3: Um, Yeah, Remwick is um, uh, is maybe, because... Definitely
2: Labour, I I think, yeah, Mm. I think so. Changing the topic, I've made a nerdy (laughs) observation that Victor sort Mm -hmm. of sat on the main sofa, he's not on his, his couch... But I can oh remember, yes! There, like two occasions, I think you might be able to correct me. We are uh, living in the tomb when it when Mrs. Walboys thinks he's overdosed, and the trial when he's doing the crossword where he gets like inky face, and maybe right. descend into the three times descent into the maelstrom when he's with the gorilla suit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. But, I mean it's I mean it's a nothing comment from me. No
3: I no, I think it's an interesting one because it suggests that the reason um, the choreography of the scene he needs to be sitting there yeah. so when Roy Hood comes to sit down Victor goes up. Yeah. And so it's it's a sort of he wouldn't really he wouldn't ordinarily go and sit there but yeah. it's because because of you know they have to have that joke. So that's yeah, that's an interesting point
2: through the sheer desperation to fulfill bored and with some kind of entertainment. Victor announces he's going to listen to Dale Winton reciting Kubla Khan. Now, I thought that was made especially for this episode, but he, he really did do a reciting right. Khan. Khan. Um, and let's pretend I know what I'm talking about here, and, and I'm definitely not wikipedia this, but Kubla Khan was an emperor between 1216 and 1294 in Mongolia, and is the grandson of Genghis Khan, obviously responsible for the deaths of you know, 40-odd million but it's such a random person to be reciting that kind of literature isn't it dale oh Whindon. yeah yeah he does he does play a, <laughs> a clip of dale winton and victor seems to be enjoying it i think <laughs> like, i don't think he's being serious he's like laughing along to it isn't he i don't think he's mocking it he goes from sarcasm um uh, of I... of enjoyment to the battery running low with Dale Winton's voice, obviously comically slowed down to the point of running out of power. And that yeah, point, at that point, um, he's about to go in the kitchen anyway to find some batteries. Uh, of course, Dale Winton man, passed away, didn't he? 62. Oh, did. 22. yeah, 22. yeah, yeah. That's because so he used sad, to be
3: quite that. a big deal, didn't
2: he? Well, yeah, supermarket uh, uh, sweeping amongst, yeah. that's the only thing I can remember. He's obviously done on, on, the, on the radio, he did uh,
3: pick up the pops, for oh, many years. Right. yeah, he
2: did some radio and in he? yeah. So Victor goes to the kitchen to go through the drawers just to find a replacement battery.
0: Oh, how do we forget about this scented candle that Ronnie and Mildred brought back from Marrakesh? Are we really that desperate?
2: There is hinted that Ronnie and Mildred have a bit of money. Loft conversions, they're renovating. They're 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 digging. They dug a floor in the in the garage of their home. (sighs) What's that exterminating angel? Yeah, uh, yeah, Behind them, they've got. Endless that was good. weird, wasn't it? When
3: Vic and Margaret opens the door and nearly falls. Wow, that's yeah. scary. It is scary. This is the first mention of Ronnie and Mildred since Mildred died to commit suicide yeah. in yeah. terror. So it hasn't... Um, her death has not softened their attitude. No. To...
2: No, that's true. Because obviously she was very comforting of, of Ronnie, but like you would do, you know, we're, we're human. Someone's okay, just... I mean, uh, but anyway, they brought back this tented candle. Cam- camphor, vanilla, and peach. Camphor, I think I pronounced it correctly. Now, I thought something's got to be arrived right with this candle. Now, we know it, it lights and lets off this distinct smell that, that doesn't go down with well with Margaret. But camphor mm-hmm. is, apparently, it can, use, it can be used topically to relieve pain, irritation, and itching. And it's also, um, has a, apparently, it's described as having... Um, there's another, there's another definition, okay, so it's also defined as a white, volatile, crystalline substance with an aromatic smell and a bitter taste so I think that's purposely done to, to reflect the fact that Ronnie and Mildred are causing them pain or anguish, even when they're not present, just by way of a candle it could just be vanilla and peach, it's got to be campful vanilla and peach, so I thought I was just reading into things there to think, oh is that, is that just a way just to get in a little bit of aggro from Ronnie and Mildred it's, uh, it's a little more... more
3: it's uh, it's just to make them even more uncomfortable, I think. It goes to show how desperate they are. Uh, Margaret mentions, she says, when, when he brings it out, she says... Talk about the devils! Oh, don't bring it over here! <laughs> uh, that is... Um, I didn't realise this until... Um, but there it, Until I started thinking about it. But there is a Sherlock Holmes story called The Adventure of the Devil's Foot. Oh, is that? And I, yeah, and as I recall, there was—it's uh, a really good story, by the way. It seems like I think it was three men who seem to have been uh, scared to death by a visitation from the devil. Uh, but and there is a sort of light in it—a uh, sort of lamp in the story—and and that is what Margaret is referring to there. I think. Okay. So it's a really obscure, deep-cut reference by Renwick there to um, to another. That's um, so. Fiction.
2: He really is relying on a, a cult following of fans to like know. <laughs> My that.
3: goodness, yeah. Yeah, there is a subset of fans who would, yeah. uh, who would uh, not just um, recognise the reference but to, as a title, but also to the story itself. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, he always titled them The Return of the Speckled Band as a home reference, mm-hmm. The Valley of Fear is a home yeah. reference.
2: Yeah, I've learned this, this along the way. I haven't always known that. Going back to the gift, I mean, it's another gift from Ronnie Meldred that they've refused to open. I think Timeless Time... <laughs> Christmas '89 refused to open yeah, that present. He was not that bored. Obviously, the T-shirt with their faces on it in Tales of Terror. Oh, um, sure. I think it's probably other gifts that we, we're not we're not aware of. Margaret is choking on the atmosphere right now. It's a very sparkly flame candle that is doing the job. I don't know what, why has he had to light it. He hasn't had to light that, has he? We've I mean, got the the bread candles there, so I don't know. He's just that bored. He was there. Yeah, yeah, the I, mat- yeah. I think so there's a look for batteries and he's got distracted sidetracked into this this present
3: i was just gonna say in timeless time he was that
2: poor as well wasn't he oh, so he didn't open it did he like he wasn't that oh, you
3: right there yeah.
2: victor finds an unop- unopened envelope that says that this is not a circular and margaret asks, what is it oh it's a circular and it's a it's a <laughs> very dark bit of advertisement for uh, reminding victor that um now he's a you know he's a pensioner And this sort of thing does exist by way of TV adverts, actually, for life insurance and funeral insurance and stuff.
0: Apply now for your special discount loyalty card to Cottleswood Crematorium. (laughs) Collect 3,000 points or more for a cash bonus plus a free clock radio if you nominate a friend to be cremated before August 31st.
2: (laughs) Got a discount loyalty card for Cottleswood Crematorium. Now, Cottleswood is i thought that ring, that rings a bell now cottleswood is actually somewhere in wiltshire which i looked up near where i live but it's mentioned in a previous episode hole in the sky when he tracks down jeffrey croker and his dress is Cottleswood. Oh, right. i don't know why there's a, there's a link there so when he goes into his house to oh, the right. money that margaret's found and he you know, he finds an old like a restaurant bill that's how he rank you know, rings at the restaurant restaurant here and they said oh it's this person this dress I just finally I just found it a bit coincidental Cottleswood Crematorium, mm. right? Cottleswood to be mentioned before doesn't really matter it doesn't play into any kind of the storyline but...
3: does that mean that he himself Victor is I mean I know it's filmed in um yeah yeah so it's that's near would that be near Wiltshire?
2: No. Wiltshire I mean no. Wiltshire <laughs>
3: that's, that's a right. short answer no <laughs>
2: well it's about an hour and a forty minute drive to from where I lived in Wiltshire ah, to Christchurch. Yeah. But it's a made it's, right. a, it's a completely made up place otherwise in the yeah. world. Yeah, it's yeah. This this ludicrous offer says to collect three thousand points for cash bonus or a free clock radio if you nominate a friend to be cremated uh, before August the thirty first. What a line. What a <laughs> disrespectful, yeah, absurd line. I, I know, yeah. It's again isn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Surrealism, eh? Very dark. Yeah. Um, But it's a standard mocking of everyone's favourite rant, you know, junk mail, all sorts of
1: crap.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. And it isn't given much uh, airtime. I think that that is the only reference to junk mail in the series, apart from the cartoon uh, that Derek writes and draws in Ah, Endgame. Yes, that's right, yeah. Uh, It seems like that is the first, um, that's the most obvious thing you would think of. It's the sort of thing which they would have discussed on a, uh, there was a show in the 2000s on BBC Two called Grumpy Old Men, where they yeah, talk so to uh, middle, uh, yeah yeah talk to celebrities in late middle age and they would complain about things. Yeah. Um, it's one of those kind of topics, I suppose. Uh, it's a little bit of it's low hanging fruit, I think. Victor and um, tends to complain about um, things a little less obvious than that.
2: Yes, yes. The more subtle, the more subtle ones to moan about that you just don't think of the top of your head. I think are funny. Exactly. Yeah. Margaret does say she was supposed to get some batteries earlier in the day, but she was distracted by some sort of kerfuffle, as she words it.
0: Oh, yes. I didn't tell you, did I? There was a big siege going on in one of those houses by the Putting Green. Some maniac, apparently, holding a family of five hostage at gunpoint. The police had got the whole area sealed off. Traffic was being diverted. It was just like something out of a film. Apparently, they weren't allowing anyone near the park. They'd got concealed marksmen in the bushes. God knows, what else?
2: Victor's a little confused, because he's like, well, I... <laughs> I was there this morning, and he'd, he'd taken a shortcut through, you know, wired netting to get into the park, and he didn't see any concealed marksmen.
0: I didn't see any concealed marksmen. Well, you wouldn't, would you? They were concealed. <laughs>
3: i love that i love that well you wouldn't would you I can see seal
2: it's not often victor questions something and, and, and it is in return made a slight fall by margaret like um she said things in the past like usually the other way round. you know you go and buy manure for any tom dick and harry you don't know where it's been yes you know You
3: exactly where it's been up a, up a
2: horse <laughs> but it, it, it turns out this this nutter was prepared to open fire. To, to open fire on anyone he saw doing something remotely suspicious and ask questions like so i don't know this was this the man wow. holding the siege on the mark on the marked guns, guns no guns no guns? I, I thought that at first was it was the instruction <laughs> for the police is it the instruction for the police I to like understand. shoot anyone they see or is, yeah. they can see the gunman can't they i don't know yeah the hilarity is the penny Aussie has dropped because the earlier talk of this Tai Chi has come full circle. See, there's, there's always a bit of a well rounded storyline to these gags, or pathos, as we say, that comes to the forefront of this like, exceptional, amazing comedy, isn't it? Because <laughs> the, the, the talk of, well, Victor speculated to use stumping their cigarette through his beret cap.
0: Remotely suspicious? You mean I was fart assing about up there in the middle of the grass in full view of an armed psychopath doing bloody Tai Chi exercises? <laughs> jamming my hands in the air like a simpleton. <laughs> I could have ended up with a bullet through my.
2: It could have been a bullet through, through his.
3: <laughs> he realized it could have been He's bullet such a funny line or that. I know. But... <laughs> it's I like she, which looks weird. And um, yeah. So Brilliant. I... And that's why, yeah.
2: He's obviously had his berry hung up at the. At the club where he, where he's doing the Tai Chi, so that that so they have open fired, and it's I suspect is it is it assumed that it was the, a, a bullet a bullet hole rather than a cigarette hole. He's he's sort of oh yeah, yeah. Flabbergasted. yeah he's he's coming over all funny and he like that could be me. Well, he didn't say it like that, but it's quite scary to think that's how he could have gone. It uh, would have been instant, of course.
3: it's a marksman. If there was a marksman he, he who shot, he missed him. So he's not much of a marksman, is <laughs>
2: yeah, no, at all. no, no.
3: And he didn't try for another shot either. No. So, um...
2: <laughs> Margaret's a little shaken and tries to play it all down, and a bit of panic inter- internally, at least from Victor. He can now hear like a we hear that whiny sound. Um, like a, he, he thinks he's coming over. All <laughs> well, he's quivering, like, he's like quivering, and he's sort of panicking. So I think he describes it as something in his ear, and of course, there's mm. nothing. Serious other than the fact it's a mosquito that is still in the house. We've forgotten about right, the mosquito. Margaret gets the spray and, um, yeah, open, you know, just try, tries to get rid of it. The door goes. So this is moving into sort of the final part of the episode now. They're both distracted. The yeah. bell rings. Margaret goes to answer. Victor sort of stands back, trying to overhear, overhear who it is. And it's uh, Margaret, you can sort of hear her. She's more than pleased to help out this person. Victor, Victor seems agitated. Um, and apparently Mrs. Smedley's at the door. We don't see her, of course, but she's gone to take her mother-in-law up to the hospital. She's had a stroke, quite quite sad, quite dark, to, 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 for that to be brought up in a comedy. And she wants the father-in-law just to be looked out for. You know, he's on his own. C- can they look out for him? Old Mr. Smedley, clearly known for his clumsy nature. And uh, Victor describes it, him as the, the Hindenburg disaster on Legs. Um, are you familiar with the Hindenburg disaster?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's... um. Yeah. Yeah, airship ship. accident. In, in, airship thing.
2: Yeah, I've heard of the phrase. I, I still, I still went out my way to read up a, a little bit about it. Victor has been concerned about his weight and size. There's no room for him in there. Mr. Smadi is quickly followed. He, he's, he's obviously with his daughter-in-law. Mr. Smadi is now guided through. So this is played by Roy Hudd. Mm. I read in the Weber book there was a few other contenders. Hang on a minute, got the old Bible. <laughs> Are you aware, are you aware of who else was in line to play, Mr. Smith? I wasn't,
3: Yeah, I I think my my copy of the book's in the attic or somewhere. I wasn't able to put my hand on it.
2: So, um, Hugh Lloyd, George Cole, and Frank Middlemass were all Hmm. offered the role before Roy had-
3: Right, and they would have all been in, um, uh, they would have been in with a fat suit Uh, as well. Um, Yeah, I'm familiar with all, all of those actors. Uh, Hugh Lloyd um, was an actor of uh, many years standing, best known perhaps even now for appearing in a sitcom with um, uh, Terry Scott called Hugh and I in the 1960s and also for his recurring roles, different characters in Hancock's Half Hour. Um, George Cole, obviously best known for Minder and uh, before that the St Trinian's films. Um, He was um, the adopted uh, the foster son of Alice Sim, who is who uh, um, will be uh, rendered in likeness in um, in the final episode in that picture. That's uh, that's, um, that's supposed to look like Victor, but it doesn't. Can I call you the
2: Oracle of all information? No, no, no,
3: no, 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 You're, no,
2: no, you're no, a walking IMDb um no, no, no. Awesome.
3: Frank Middlemass was in Heartbeat. He played a doctor. I remember he died while fishing in a stream, the character. Um, but he was also played uh, Rocky, the very lively, um, rebellious father to Ly- uh, Lionel's character. Uh, he was right. played by Jeff Palmer in Miss By. So right. yeah, all, all easy to imagine there in that role, certainly. Yeah, I think what swung it for Renwick there was that uh, he'd worked with uh, Roy Hudd. Uh, he'd written sketches for, um, the, HUD, um, for the news headlines, which was a, uh, a radio series Roy had did from 1975 to 2001. Oh, okay, um, they've got
2: history then, that's good.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they okay. kind of... Uh, it's it's weird seeing... Uh, it's not weird, it's like, but slightly jarring for a character to be introduced so late in the episode.
2: It is. Uh, it, they, they use the same um, makeup artist as the, as the one for Owen Brennan, Mr. Swain when mm. he was in a... Not so much as a, a, a large fat suit in end, it end game, it end game? Uh, yeah oh,
3: yeah thinking. yeah it's Endgame.
2: game yeah neil gorton was the chap who who sort of designed the fat suit and obviously made mr swaney large as well mr smedley a very large chap
3: another comedy name
2: probably. Smedley is a great name he's got a head torch and uh <sighs> <he's, laughs>
1: he
2: speak like he, he's going out of mine the headlight, he, because this headlight used to belong to his brother who worked in the, the Kent minefields for 25 years, prior to his untimely death from respiratory failure. So, yeah, Roy Hudd, now known mostly for, I mean, various things, Chastity Belt, Ashes to Ashes, um, Coronation Street, I mean, loads of other shows. I mean, he only died a couple of years ago, didn't he? I think, Roy, is a very... Uh, yeah, yeah. Margaret partially introduces... I say partially introduced Mr. Smedley to Victor. Uh, Mr. Smedley sort of grunts to acknowledge um, Victor as, as as the polite host. It's like Victor's, Victor's now playing this polite host and asks him to sit down. And obviously Mr. Swedley? Mr. Smedley's weight comparison to it is visualised because obviously they sit down. Like he said, this is why Victor has to sit on the main, the longer sofa. Is when he does sit down, Victor shoots back up almost like a seesaw or a one-sided seesaw anyway, which is funny. To see. Mr. Smedley is, is quite persistent with his apologies for his presence causing nuisance. And he, he does say that an awful lot to the point it probably is a bit nuisance. I'm I'm, I'm terribly sorry. But then they're, they're not doing anything otherwise, are they? So they, mm. I think mean, it's been too much of a. His wife is in hospital, I suppose, to be fair.
4: I'm very sorry about all this. I, I'm sorry to be such a nuisance.
1: Oh, don't be silly.
2: Yeah, he's offered a glass of brandy to mm. steady his nerves, but. <laughs> He pulls out a hot water bottle tucked away in his jacket. I mean, in that weather. I mean, he says it causes him some comfort, but bloody hell. Apparently, it's like scorching hot. He's in a <laughs> suit. <laughs> and uh, have, yeah, we mentioned, yeah. have we mentioned the uh, the one-liner from Victor about how he describes him as uh, potty training Mr. Was it What's the line? Do you remember Oh, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is the line, yeah. From, um, Mr. Creasso um,
3: from Meaning um, of, of Life. Meaning of Life, and- yeah.
2: Mm. It's quite of a very cruel comparison. Yeah, um, yeah. So Mr Smelly, yeah, he's concerned, understandably, about his wife having a stroke and uh, talking about the overstretched hospital.
4: Lady next door had to wait two hours the other week just to get to the operating theatre. They said they were very short of trolleys and did she mind sharing with a corpse?
0: Which is a nightmare.
2: Recalls um, a lady next door to him had to wait two hours to get to an operating table which does seem quite a quick turnaround now, if you, if you ask me more. Another um, reference to death
3: from Renwick yeah, there.
2: Yeah. So, Mrs. Medley, I, I, phrasing the situation as I, I hope she'll be right up there, um, as if she's died and gone to heaven already, seems to be sort of almost given, almost like a foreshadowing, foreshadowing of her own fate. But to sort of calm his, his nerves, he, he, he decides to read a book. He does check with, very cur- courteous, checks with Victor and Margaret to see if this is okay.
4: Well, there. Uh, Perhaps I'll uh, just sit here and, and read my book. <laughs> Would uh, you mind?
0: No, of course not. You go ahead. Thank you.
2: Now, for me, I think one of the funniest moments of series six, uh, n- another one of those, another one of those moments that is hard to fathom of why, but he's reading his book out aloud, <laughs> and the comedy for me comes from Victor Margaret just sitting there in
4: disbelief. Chapter eight. <laughs> Late that evening, I was surprised at my dodging by a visit from Mr. Bruff, There was a noticeable change in the lawyer's manner. It had lost its usual confidence and spirit. <laughs> he shook hands with me for the first time in his life in silence. Are you going uh, back sorry, to... Sorry, abs- excuse me. I asked I- by way of saying sir. So. Pardon? Uh, sorry. Uh, you actually have to read it out aloud or... Uh, it's the only way I can get it to go in, unfortunately. <laughs> and stay there
2: <laughs> but i mean at least victor plucks up the courage to i mean, rightly asking him do you have to read that out loud it's oh, probably yeah, the only way imagine. the only way that state it stays in so they're and victor and mark they're good people aren't they? they just allow him to continue <laughs> to continue reading and um he again seeks some sympathy where he outlines that he is he is a nuisance i am a nuisance aren't i but, you know, they're just letting him get on with it because his wife's in hospital at the end of the day. So. I
3: think they would have a nice chat with him about something. True, um, yeah. but- Have a chat about television or the old days, whatever it is. But, um, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's the... I'm not sure why the it's there in the episode, apart from, as I said earlier, to show that to sort of maybe suggest that this is how they might end up um yeah and they kind of don't want to they don't think but they don't want to think about that and mm. uh so there's a certain idea about the ignominy of old age but um it's not the most uplifting idea and uh it kind of it doesn't i uh, i think by this point the episode needed to be injected with a certain amount of energy and uh yeah. that's something which uh, mr smadley certainly doesn't um Uh, Contribute. I think maybe if the episode had had another physical set piece, perhaps Uh, that is, if you want, if you had to do an episode set in such low lighting at all, which I personally wouldn't have favoured. It's uh, so it's yeah. The 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 episode kind of goes from um, it gets kind of down now by this point. A
2: isn't it? I mean, I I was sad enough to Google Mister Smedley's. Book he's read just by the sentence he was reading now, and it's from
3: wow, really?
2: Yes, yeah, it's, it's a book, it's real, is it? It's real, it's from um, The Moonstone by Wilkie Collins. It's a fictional book written in 1868. five hundred and sixty eight yeah, yeah, yeah. pages worth. Romeo wow. has a brain on. Whenever, he, when, when he forever references the arts and culture from like yesterday, I'm just thinking, blimey, now, like that's so obscure. I mean, this book is classified as a, um, it's a type of novel. Uh, it was like a series of documents in it, like a diary entry and- right. right. form. Um, so it's like a it's a detective novel, and apparently oh, an, an it's influence... a classic, Yeah, yeah. So are you aware yeah, of it? Okay. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Wilkie Collins. Yeah, he was the uh, progenitor of uh, gothic literature. So it was it's very in keeping again with with uh, Remwick that he chose uh, a, a Wilkie Collins novel mm. because it's very much in gothic and uh, creepiness. Uh, yeah. it, <laughs> Collins had also written a book called a famous book called The Woman in White, and right. um, and that the, he's sort of the, um, I suppose, the, the sort of grandfather of the crime novel, uh, the detective novel. So it's where, and it precedes uh, Holmes, I believe. So it's, uh, so it's quite it, 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 what they would call uh, in those days. Uh, oh, what was the name now? They the, 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 sort of shockers, I think they called them. These right. kind of novels were slightly scandalous about. Mm. Um, Lady Audley's secret was another one so yeah certainly and uh it's certainly appropriate that uh ramwick would have chosen that especially yeah. as he mentioned the uh the carter Dixon one from earlier
2: yes yeah, yeah i i knew you'd be able to to reference the the novels or the books and and have an eye and a bit of background to them i did find it funny you know with people hard of hearing it takes them a few moments <laughs> to, mr spend a few moments to stop reading before hearing Victor's calls calls just to just to like <laughs> yeah. Because it's that it's it's just how Roy heard. This that, that little bit of acting, that comedy. Yeah, yeah. And I just said sorry. Like just he, he read. A, he's a, so focused a, on reading, wasn't he? Yeah, he's into it. Poor Victor Margaret, <laughs> Double double whammy. Looking after Mister Smedley and having him read aloud. But
3: going to say, wouldn't it? Would it not have been funnier perhaps if he had been reading a celebrity autobiography? Like I, so. um, I don't know, who was around then? Eternist biography or something like yeah. that. <laughs>
1: That
2: might have been funny. <laughs> Eamon Holmes or Richard uh, Haley or something like that. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mr. Smedley makes an announcement. He, he's going to the toilet, whilst Margaret signals where the bathroom is, or she assumes he knows. He bizarrely, <laughs> he bizarrely calmly, bizarrely and calmly uh, says he's already been.
4: Anyway, I'm going to the toilet now. I'm afraid.
0: Oh, fine. Well, you know where it is and everything.
4: No. I mean, I'm going to the toilet now. <laughs> As I speak. The control goes, you know, after a while.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Victor and Margaret, they team up uh, to get Mr. Spenny up and headed to the bathroom. It smacks of Uncle Albert, doesn't he? In He Ain't Heavy, He's My Uncle. when uncle albert is recollecting a time when he came face to face with a, a bengal tiger or something and um he roars yeah, yeah. Any,
3: but oh a- yeah 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 i know yeah but i wonder if there was any i don't want to say complaints but any um criticism mild criticism that is by um uh, about the treatment of this character because it's not the most dignified uh role is it
2: maybe not then but you it's just another example where it would probably be brought up now on question time oh, yeah, points maybe. of view or if points of view still going, but yeah, it is, it was a bit, it's a bit cruel, isn't it? But it's common in it. It's all in, in its context. And Vic, yeah. I like how Victor's feeling for a damp patch and he does some funny sort of finger movements, Like he does it in dreamland, I think in Mr. Sweeney's house when he uses the hand towel and mm. it's too late. For him to not use it when, when Mister Sweeney says, you know, got some, I think he says he's got some nasty skin condition or something, and ah, yeah, yeah. And yeah.
3: Shot and he's, he's got his spread out like <laughs> he has <laughs> a contagious skin scar. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, but it's a it is a clever line from Victor Way. exaggerates the idea of having to look after Mister Smedley. Furthermore, you know, by way of personal care or potty training, Mister Creosote, which is yeah, this is the point he he says it. My
0: God, I suppose we're going to be up with him all night potty training, Mister Creosote.
3: Do they only have to look after him this evening? He's not coming no, to he, step.
2: he's not coming to stay. I, I. Well, who knows how long someone'll be at the hospital? I think, I think the idea is here. Yeah, he just stays there for a few hours until she's back mm. home. She could be over. Yeah, there. I thought so. But that's where I think the topic or the, the this episode turns a little bit more sad. Mortal. I suppose. Mm. He, He's uh. He's in the bathroom at this point where Margaret seems a bit breathless and she's, yeah, she's feeling a bit sick. And uh, I think it's that she thinks it's the smell of the, the candle. I think that I think I think does she say, I think he's nodding off in there now or something. Yeah, yeah, they're totally fine with it, with him sleeping in the downstairs toilet.
3: Yeah, much I saw much, that.
2: Much like the window cleaner and beware the tricks on the roof, you know, after the, the chilly coffee mix just there for the whole episode. I think they mm. realizes in there to be fair. But yeah, she's feeling a bit sick. You know he's very empathetic when Mar- when Margaret's feeling down. He is a a good husband, I think, and he's putting he's putting uh, himself in her shoes as he likes to go through a list of medical complication possibilities. So he's he's really trying to work out what's wrong. And I think the news of Mister Spendley's wife does you know bring Margaret to account the time. Her dad was put into hospital, but he ended up uh, seeing his days out there.
0: Oh, poor old codger. I suppose. What? Well, just, you know, what he said about his wife. Do you remember when my dad went into hospital? They said that would just be for a few days. And after a few days, they said it would be just a few more. And that's how it went on. And we always knew it would be all right couple more days and you need to be back home with us all again. I don't think there's any other way we'd have got through those last six months. It's like you said. If it's sunny in the morning, you don't want to know it's going to rain in the afternoon.
2: I don't think we've heard the mention of her dad before. Obviously her mother, we've heard her mother on the voicemail and dropping her luggage down the stairs. In the previous episodes, but I think the idea of keeping positive, she talks about just a few more days. It doesn't, obviously, it doesn't always work out that way passing away. Classic one foot, though, in it poignancy, bring a bit of real life trauma through to the characters' personalities. It's just, uh, yeah, we're series six now, and, and this, I think, is still quite, Remick's still got that sort of magic touch to bring you back down to earth, you know, with, with the meaning of life, I suppose. I mean, Martha, yeah, it's,
3: the, it's a downer.
2: She, it's a downer. Oh, I mean, she 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 distracts herself by way of ranting about the fact the power's been out for you know for three hours now, and this time it's Victor who plays the calm one. And it's like helping Margaret to relax, and they just agree that it'll just it'll come back on soon. Uh, mm. I don't know. It's like some sort of metaphor. Like obviously the power comes back on, but has has the fire in their bellies been put out, so to speak? You do you know what I mean? Like when they speak of hope, <laughs> things go back to normal.
3: Uh, i think it's uh i think it's him saying um it'll be soon it'll come back soon in a few more minutes in the same way that she was saying um how she got through her dad being in hospital by saying mm. it would be a few more days so it's a sort of same technique which victor is offering there i think
2: yeah i was just reading into the the metaphor that it just also mean like just from a fan theory point of view like what are they going to ever feel sort of happy again so to speak they're sort of as the series progresses they get mm-hmm. more and more depressed if you compare series 1 margaret to series 6 margaret i know it's character development and when you're a writer of a, of a any series you probably don't have a great idea how they're going to evolve trigger in, in series 1 episode 1 is not the same trigger even no, in following no. series you know what i mean
3: yeah, yeah yeah she thinks she you think she's more down depressed I by series
2: 6 so. i think so probably yeah i think i think she is Definitely. Um, mm, also, Victor, the episode has ended there. It's not really much like the previous real-time episodes. Ends on a bit of poignancy, um, quite sombre, isn't it? And there's no, there's no real, because there, because there's not a main sort of plot. It just ends on a discussion point.
3: It does. It sort and of drifts. At, it drifts into a beginning and it drifts into an end, and it's a, it's right. a, it's the sort of segments of their evening. Yeah. Yeah there's no uh, finality to it. They
2: just agree that oh the power will come back on soon and that's that and yeah. uh bro Mr. Smedley he, he could be on the, he could be in there till the power's back on. <laughs> I don't know but uh yeah I mean I enjoy every episode of One Foot. everyone has their a list of the weaker episodes and that might be in in most fans of the show weaker um episodes maybe I don't know.
3: Didn't mine <laughs> uh, I, I mean, think the futility of the fly or oh, low points uh, but I prefer Utility of the Fly because, a bit more because it's, it's got, uh, well, it's in daylight for starters. <laughs> and there's a okay. bit more going for it, going for it with, the, with the, uh, the finger in the uh, takeaway chips, stuff like that. It seems, this one seems to me, because you don't see Mrs. Warboys and it's all dark and everything, it, does, it seems strangely detached from the rest of the series in my view. It seems to be um, in the way that Timeless Time was as well. It's sort of, yeah. um, it doesn't seem to be connected to the universe of, of the Meldrews as much yeah. as the rest of this, but you know, that's just my taking it.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you know, you came on to, to, to speak about this episode because it is a hard one to to break down because it, like I said, it's just yeah. small segments of someone's evening, and, and the, mm-hmm. you, you did well to help me through that. And ah, no, I, I didn't, um, check to see if you had a Meldrew Moan lined
3: up or not, David. Oh, um. Ah, oh, do I have a Meldrum Moon? Do I have a Meldrum Moon? Oh, I do
0: not believe Will you look at this, bastards? Can you believe the nerve of this I'll skinned their ruddy heights for them?
3: Probably the interminable postponements of the new James Bond film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> When is that view out then? This November. Uh, I think the current release date is the twelfth of November. <laughs> 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 no, it's supposed to be coming out late in September, but they, uh, but you know, we'll see, we'll see. I have a feeling. <laughs> I was, I have this idea that he's going to be uh, an old man with a walking stick. And they're going to be saying the Daniel Craig. I mean, and, and he's going to be doing the chat show circuit, and they'll be saying to him, "So, this is your last one, then, is it?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Because it's going to be so many years since he filmed it. Yeah, he's going to be aged. Yeah,
3: exactly.
2: I'm going to add in a, a bonus Mel in that. I I went to the cinema the other night.
3: Have, oh
2: really? God knows how long was with my fiance. What yet. did you see? Quiet Place Two.
3: All right, okay.
2: That's good. I've obviously seen the first one. This is very good. Yeah, I've
3: seen the
2: first one. My Mel Jerome is very brief. It's it was. It was part of that boiling hot, the start of the boiling hot week. And, right. Or just in the middle of the boiling hot weather we, we experienced recently. And uh, during the adverts and, and trailers, I was thinking, please put the aircon on. Mm. And when the film started, it was absolutely, I said what Victor and Margaret, I, I wanted to stand up and go, the relief, because they did switch on the aircon for about mm. three minutes. And then for the rest no. of the world, they switched off, and I was so uncomfortable. Um, I couldn't uh, sit still. I was
3: fidgeting. The film should have been called "In a Hot Place." <laughs>
2: yeah, very good. I tell you're a scriptwriter. No. Yeah, just uh, come to you straight away. That did. Put that in your next script. Yeah. So that's a brief.
3: Telling the thing with about. the first film I found was that they're all supposed to be really quiet, and uh, and yet she, pregnant. Why get pregnant? Because you know you're going to have to give birth, and so if uh, if any sound is going to kill you. <laughs>
2: Well, that's all the part part of the old storytelling. But I think in, in that, in their post-apocalyptic world, post-apocalyptic world, there's no birth control anymore. So Ah, uh, maybe. Oh, that's just, good, that is.
3: But then, then they go into a chemist in the beginning or somewhere, or and they're yeah, stealing they're, a, there's a shop. Chemist, they there's a chemist they,
2: they frequent, and they could have probably found something. But as is the way with Hollywood, they're not going to make it easy for them, are they? No, 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 but um, that's fantastic, David. Um, thank you once again for uh, coming on to one foot in the podcast. I won't. Still- I hope I hope you've had fun talking about probably one of your least favorite—not your least favorite—but you've you've done well with your enthusiasm, so I, that comes appreciated. And that's the last ever real time one foot episode I'll ever be talking about. No, that's wrong. A uh, visiting Uncle Dick will be, but as a main episode, that's the last one. Emotional. We're saying goodbye to all these characters, like reviewing um Futility the Fly was I felt a bit sad saying goodbye to Mrs. Warboys and how she doesn't really get a proper goodbye, does she, to Victor? Um he obviously he's gonna be just killed off and no one gets a chance to say goodbye, but for a, for a, for an actress point of view, her final ever scene is is accusing Victor in her mind of sexual assault almost. And
3: Wow, that's true. I never <laughs> you know thought I mean? of like, that. Yeah, my goodness. And also slipping into the bath with Victor. Yeah, in the same episode, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Well, Dawn of Man is and it is a stellar episode in my view. I love that episode. I think that is a brilliant uh, denouement for Patrick and Pepper. Yeah. That is. And he's uh, cheerful in his final scene in that, finally. Yeah,
2: it's it's uh I think you'll I think that's a fair shout, that's probably the strongest episode. Well, bar the final episode it's a freak of a nature episode that is this, it's it's a reality we don't want to to see that victor's not with us but out of the other five i would say i think you're right the dawn of man is fantastic if anyone wants to get in touch as ever one foot in the podcast at gmail.com also on twitter at one foot in the pod david i'm sure people like to interact with your good self what's your what's your handle
3: uh my handle is dj dave stuff on twitter
2: uh are you dave, a dj did you mention a friend. That
3: uh, it's my initials. My it's real initials. name is David Jones. My pe- yeah, my pen name for when I write short fiction is uh, David Friend. Oh. So that's, that's the reason. Uh, I used to do hospital radio DJing though, so, <laughs> and I used to put segments of One Foot in the Grave in that. Are oh, amazing. And other comedies.
2: Yeah, I I used to um do local town radio uh, WCR. Oh, All right. Yeah, it was at a time when they they only had the it was in Walmesthorpe. And they only for one month a year they could go live on the airwaves. but It cost them loads. They, these days they're they're live twenty four seven, but they could only afford a license to go live on the airwaves on FM for one month a year. But for the rest of the year it's just internet radio. But it was proper. It's a very small old not to say old fashioned but small couple of studios, and it was still pretty good. I did it for a short period of time. It's so dark where I am right now. Can you see me? We yeah, cool week as bright as daylight. Now it's uh yeah, so naturally it's half night. Well, yeah, cheers, David. Thanks for, thanks very much for coming on. Take good care. Absolutely. And we'll be back next week for the penultimate episode, the dawn of man. We'll be saying goodbye to Patrick and Pippa, I believe. They don't they don't feature in the final episode, do they? Does does Owen, does Mr. Sweeney feature in the final episode? No, no, that's it. They're literally every outside character would have passed us by the end of Dawn of Man. So, sad times ahead. All right, well, take care, everyone. Cheers, David. Bye-bye.